We're here with another episode of The Four Horsemen. It's all too soon. As we ended last episode, we hope we never have to do one again. It's been um, one week uh, since we had to do one. <laughs> now, now, I was a bit confused as to if this was relevant to Four Horsemen standards of drama. Because after all, 100 Thieves, you know, they get a $5,000 ban. Their coach is on probation. Nobody's been banned, although... I have experience with like riot warnings and I know how fast they turn into bands. Let's just put it that way. That could, that could turn on you like that. And they even so, had evidence for this one, Monty. So fucking hell, probably execution by firing squad at this point in time. And it fucking hell. So that, that said, we do have sideshow because we're getting some Valorant takes on it. Sideshow does a lot of Valorant co-streaming is a, is a caster with the overwatch league, but it's been splitting his time between the two games, more or less runs a Valorant talk show called plot chat mm -hmm. Valorant. So, probably has some context about this whole issue and joining me are Thorne and Richard Lewis and this is relevant to them because 100 Thieves has many members who used to be part of the Counter-Strike community including known uh, offender I guess in this case Frost who was the coach um, I've, I've dove into all the materials that are available it's clear that there's there's some shenanigans going on here but let's start for people who don't know this situation if you guys could speak up and say what the sequence of events was and why we're doing a show about this. Yeah, sure. Happy to happy to do it, actually, because this is, um, I mean, you know, I, I me and Duncan have been threatening to start doing more and more Valorant content to toughen these <laughs> pussies up because it's actually ridiculous, the levels of petulance. It's, I, I, I think that as a broader topic that I'm sure we'll get into at some point before before we delve into the specifics, you know, the fact that so much of, of Valorant is about North American influencers, North American organizations that rely on influencers, they think all of the rules of influencing is going to apply to an eSport. It's not, motherfuckers. You don't get... that. For a thousand retweets and we'll overturn this admin's decision. Doesn't work like that, dickhead. You're in a different world. I know Nade Shot's more concerns with his merch drops and everything else. This is real shit now, boys. And you have to toughen the fuck up and learn a few things. Fortunately for you, we're a fucking teacher. But before we get into that, let's talk about what happened. Indeed. And this was a hundred The only drops any of you Valorant players should be worrying about is your motherfucking balls and then start listening <laughs> and learning. <laughs> And I yeah, know everyone now, now all the COD communities, he's talking about children both again. It's like, it's a jokey daft I, I, I think what you'll find... show couldn't be monetized on YouTube. I would have said these, all the boomers need to worry about being dropped when the young kids actually come along, all these washed Not up that. CS pros. That's, what, yeah. that's where I would have gone. But, you know, both works. But anyway, so 100 Thieves... Uh, were playing in the uh, Valorant Champions Tour, known as the the, the VCT, um, and they were due to play uh, a match against Immortals. Obviously, at the moment, one of the ongoing issues that Valorant has is that there's not a lot of data servers spread around America. So when you're a California-based team, you might end up playing on the East Coast, uh, and as a result of that, you can get unfavorable ping. So that's what was happening here. Now, historically 100 thieves i think it was due uh before they were due to play tsm they were on the other end of a ruling they wanted to uh do it the other way to what they did now and riot overruled them so this is why they were particularly petulant about this but basically the option was they could play on a server where immortals would have had like 
something like, you know, one player would have had 70 ping and the rest would have had like 20 or 30, but they would have had eight or they would have ended up playing with all of them had 40 ping and the Immortals players had something like 10 or 20. And so as a result of this, they decided they were going to argue the toss because despite what Riot have said in their marketing, Pika's <laughs> advantage is still very much a real thing. Uh, of course, and, it's impossible yeah, to avoid. It's impossible to avoid. And so this is where enter Frost. Now, Frost is a new addition to the team. Uh, he is their coach. It's kind of interesting. We'll get into his career in esports. But for now, let's just think of him as a, a totally normal human being who deserves to be a coach of 100 Thieves. That's not true. Um <laughs> Uh, and, hypothetical, uh, you know. Yeah, but, but just as a hypothetical, let's do it. And so because he is uh, a narcissistic, petulant twat at the best of times, all hypothetical, he decided to argue with the admin <laughs> to, as they've been pre-programmed to say, 100 Thieves fans, fight for their players. But he overstepped the boundaries. Basically, what he did was he was very condescending, very ab abusive to, to the admins. There was an intimation, several, you know, there was an intimation, even in the clip that, 100 Thieves released that they might leverage social media to make things difficult for the admins and difficult for Riot if they don't give them a favorable decision. And naturally, Riot Games took umbrage with this and issued a penalty, which was a $5,000 fine. And uh, then also on top of that, they've now put Frost on probation. Just everyone talking about this guy like he's a genius. Let's recap. He got his team fined. He got himself put on probation, and they didn't even get the decision for the match. So, absolute fucking... You mean, talk about shitting the bed. Like, I mean, it, it's mind-boggling. Anyone who thinks this guy is smart, by the way, like, I've got some magic beans to sell you, you daft cunts. But anyway, then, because it's 100 Thieves, and they only understand things through the lens of social media, they decide to go on social media, and, ooh, look, oh, look how hard done we've been by. Then they released a video saying, ooh, look how it exonerates us. Riot Games immediately clap back saying, okay, can we have a look at the rest of that video? Because your man even admitted to threatening to leverage social media and three other independent witnesses corroborated it and 100 Thieves went, no, it's okay, actually, Mr. Riot. Yeah, let's just leave it there, yeah? <laughs> to which Hector himself, who had been griping about it nonstop since it happened, said, yeah, let's put this to bed. So, there's other little bits and pieces, but that's the gist of it. In other words, 100 thieves, clout-chasing morons, and Hector Frost Rosario, absolute cretin. <laughs> wow, condemned Table already. So, so, is that, Sideshow, in your experience, is that, is that a fair characterization of events? Would you like to add anything to I, I the sequence that happened there? Or the nuance? Only yeah, the only additional details I think that that would favor a hundred thieves to play devil's advocate for them is that they I think the specific thing that they were bothered about was that they had had this happen previously to them as well, where they played a game prior against TSM. And the the essential the the, the kind of debate in Riot's head and, and in this tournament organizer and administrator's head is do we go for the mathematically closest ping? So there's whenever whenever teams play, there's three central servers in in Valorant right now. There's one in Illinois, <laughs> one in Georgia, there's one in Texas. Normally, you're far away from one of those, and so two of them end up being reasonable, and you have to pick between the two. So it's like East Coast and, and West Coast teams fighting over which of the two central servers yeah. they're actually going to end up playing on. And the the math is never going to be exactly the same between the two of them. That's like that is such a statistical unlikelihood. And in in one of the cases, in the case against TSM. They had had um, the, the tournament admins had decided that they were supposed to play on the most mathematically fair ping difference between the two of them, even though Reasonable. it ended up with Steel getting above 65 ping, which I think 
yeah, reasonable decision. But honestly, reasonable decision either fucking way you go about it because it's such a pitiful thing to be making a, a big fuss about. But the other option was the one that they went for in the second case where they said, no, we can't go for the other server that would put one of the Immortals players above 65 ping because that's unacceptable. We're going to have to go on the one that's left mm -hmm. less mathematically like perfect between the teams, even though it allowed one of the Immortals players to be on eight ping. And then they just started flinging poop by the, uh, as far as I can tell. Like it, it's, the thing is, it's, I can understand if a coach wants to, wants to tell his players, all right, wait there a moment, don't let them start the game and let me hash this out with the tournament organizer and, and actually try and, you know, see whether there's some resolution that you can get to. Not for an hour, for an hour delaying the entire broadcast. And then, you know, a 56 minutes that we didn't see of, of whatever unprofessional conduct may have been involved. But even if there was no unprofessional conduct, an hour to sort out a server difference when there's little tiny bits of ping difference between the, the one central server compared to another. Like, what? Why, why would you do this in front of your first game of Masters? Why would you delay the entire tournament for that? I mean, keep in mind, we've already solved this problem in CS, like how it works in CS. And I, and I know this has been done in some Valorant Cups as well. You, you have the favorable for one team on the first map, favorable for the other team on the second map, and a coin toss if you need the decider yes. about who gets fucked. And that's just it. That's a, yes. There's no need um, for any arguments about this, right? Exactly. But the point is, we have to start talking about ego, and there's a dual factor going on here. You already have Hector Rosario, who is one of those guys in esports that if you, the best way to describe him would be, if you know, you know. He is a massive arsehole. Everywhere he goes, it just disruption and drama. He is a notoriously rude prick. And I've gone at him many times. I don't even think he'll make it to the end of the year. Apparently, Nade Shot's left the chat. I don't blame him. You're not going to enjoy this show, by the way, Nade Shot, mate. You've got to get a handle of what's going on there. But then you take somebody with his ego and you put him in 100 thieves who think just because they've got, like, influencers out the arse and a big Twitter following and a, and a loyal 14-year-old fan base <coughs> they can leverage to try and make it look like they've had a great injustice here when in actual fact the injustice is that you have delayed a tournament for an hour, disrespected another the team disrespected fans disrespected admins because you think you're a big deal this is the problem here 100 thieves have needed a reality check for a fucking while i'm happy to give it to them right by the way before we get into all like, the drama and like the back and forth of like is this a way to treat thieves but one thing to say first of all I, i'm not surprised nade shots left the chat i bet what happened was someone told him like four horsemen are going hot like fine he was like <sighs> Fucking hell, what that? Centaurs. And then he turned in, it was just four humans. Seems like, ah, oh, man, this is fucking it's garbage. And I'll go watch the Snyder Cut again for the second time. Masterpiece, working fiction, 10 out of 10, whatever. Because that's his fucking Nade Shots level. Here's the problem I have, right? Before we get into that, to me, a topic that I can't believe people are just skipping by. What's mad is, right, I'm not joking. I should just carry a dictaphone with me. And every time a new game's coming out that could be big in esports, I'm just going to record what I tell Monty and the reasons it can't work. And I'm going to go, today's date is uh, 27. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm just going to pl play it back because the amount of times I just nail it. Here's the classic reason I said that Valorant could never be a big game like CSGO. CSGO doesn't have fucking like three servers. It's not like League of Legends where there's one NA server. There are a fucking as many servers as you want. And because there are as many servers as you want, this isn't even an issue. It's only mildly an issue mainly if people have routing issues. And so one of the reasons that doesn't make any sense is if you know anything about FPS games, RTS and MOBA are slightly different, RTS particularly. FPS games are all about low ping. 
They're all about the environment that's closest to land as possible. Because otherwise, like, even the way you're practicing will be totally thrown off. Think about trying to use the operator if you have, like, 100 ping versus 20 ping. It's a totally different game at that point in time. We're not talking about a tiny little unit that just sort of doesn't move quite as fast. You can just lag or whatever. No, it's millisecond. And we're talking, like, hundredth of a second reactions that are making the game work. So in this scenario, as soon as our new Riot was going with that boneheaded approach where it's like, what about all the fucking, oh, we'll do it at hours. As usual, we'll just reinvent the wheel even though it's already been solved. Secondly, in these games, right, way, way, way back in the day in esports, in Quake, when there were no lands, people already solved this technologically. You have a device, it's kind of like a VPN, that just lets you route around different servers if you're in, like, a location that naturally would have bad routing from your internet connection or country, right? And so what you do is you can sort of tell it to skip to here, to here, to here, and then go to there, and you can sometimes in the game shave, like, 5, 10 ping off your ping as a result. And so what they would do in Quake was you'd have, like, a 20-minute session like that where everyone got the smallest pings and then you'd say was the server respectable and then the other issue is this when sideshow says that i've unfortunately haven't played valorant enough so i can't say whether the valorant ping difference is big but i will say coming from counter i can see score is definitely way better than 1.6 in this regard the reason why I don't think it's actually as simple as where Sideshot said there, where the concept is, well, just do like the smallest average amount. No, because the absolute value of the ping in games that ping matters in is more important. As in, it's way different, right? If I said to you, I have a server where I have five ping and you have 20 ping, that's only 15 difference. Or I have a server where I have 30 ping and you have 60 ping. In games where ping matters, I think the fairer game would be the 30 to 60 because I'm above, the, I'm at 30. I'm not like land level at that point in time. I still have to deal with some lag as well. You have a tiny bit extra. That's actually, even though the gap is bigger, that could be a better matchup. Meanwhile, I can tell you from people who used to play against Swedish people in Counter-Strike, if they got on their server with the five ping, even Finns who had 15 were like, this is like unplayable. We're not even joking. Like, like they, they just have, they're already better than us and they have that little extra advantage. Like, they just makes the scrims worthless and so People would fight to the death over these things. Like, people would, again, and by the way, irony of ironies, do you know what used to happen back in the day when you would have a dispute like this? Well, back then, let's say the Swedish team were the world champions in Counter-Strike. They'd sort of leverage their position by saying, well, we'll just quit the tournament if you don't play on the server we want in. Yep. And so usually, the smaller team... Obviously, they could get DQ'd if they say they'll forfeit, and the team will go, oh, yeah, no problem, we'll forfeit you, and the, the better team go through. So you're shit out of luck. If you're the smaller team, your only choice is play the unfair game, lose it, as you're going to anyway, and then you have to pretend like it was fair. So I can see why this is an issue again. I can see why CSGO players are bringing it up overall. And quite frankly, this is another one of those issues where it's like, Riot, how many billions and trillions do you have to have and you have to have that you claim you're going to make from an eSport before you just do the basic things in the eSport. Like you fix like the thing, you make the servers reasonable, you make the servers close to people. Like how many millions does it have to be? Does it have to be like 10 trillion or something? Like, are you waiting for the fucking US de deficit to be given to you or something? What's going on? I mean, I, I, think, I, I think it's also interesting to me because for me, this is an issue also with 100 Thieves who has who have all of their, like you have to remember this situation arose because 100 Thieves presumably have all their players in the compound in California. At least that's what I got from the video. Yeah. It looks like yes. their compound. And then yep. Immortals has their players kind of spread out everywhere. But we exist in a time where you know where, you know, you know we're going to be playing online. You know where the servers are. So why would you move your players to California if this is going to be an issue for the coming you know, who knows if we're going to have a LAN again, right? So why would you put them in the 100 Thieves compound if this is... Because my, my take on it is you're clearly very upset by the ping, 
if you're 100 Thieves or if they're, you're their coach. You're on the East Coast server in fucking LA. Like, this so, is 2021, guys. What the fuck is that? So, so why did you put your players in LA if this is going to be an ongoing issue in, in competitive integrity to the degree that you're willing to stall out a tournament for an hour for this? That's what's kind of strange. Sure. I won't, I won't lay that on 100. I, I won't lay that on 100 Thieves. The reality is Riot Games have an NA bias notoriously across everything they do. They've got an NA bias in the way they're handling Valorant, and they're already favored to a number of big orgs, which I'm sure 100 Thieves don't think they're one. Spoiler, you are. Um, and as a result, like, how can you have all these Californian-based esports organizations that are supposedly integral to the growth of your esport, but no data center on that coast? That's ridiculous. I mean, that's just classic, you know, riot games in a nutshell for yeah, me. Where's the foresight on that? Yeah. All right, Sa all right, Taisha, what were you gonna, what were you gonna say? Let's get your well, take on it. I mean, I, I was, I was coming from a game Overwatch that literally only has East Coast and West Coast servers. So in comparison, like when you actually play online games in Overwatch, even if you are just a central player playing ranked, you have to play on one of those servers either way. Now, thankfully, Overwatch has it, the time to kill is way higher. It actually makes so little difference compared to a game like Valorant or CS. Uh, I mean, to the point where they're talking about having people fly out to Hawaii and play 90 ping games to be doing things interregionally. The, the ping just doesn't make as big of a difference. Right. Plus in Overwatch, you can just identify as a low ping gamer and then no one can dispute it, so. <laughs> but, in, <laughs> but in Valorant, the, um, oh, the, the, there are like three East Coast servers, three West Coast servers, and three Central or something. Two, two West, two East, and three Central, I think, is the, the distribution of it and the way it works out. But they, the, the 100 Thieves people were already primed to, the 100 Thieves fans were already primed to be thinking about ping because it's come up before for this team. And it's been purely a fan narrative in the past. It hasn't been driven by any of the players. The players have like dismissed it the prior times when it came up. Before they were in California, they're spread all over the place. I mean, it's just like the ping situation is even worse in that sense mm. because it, it's worse than even California playing on Central because they're they're just scattered around the US. I mean, even if you try and play on a Central location at that point, some of the, some of their players have seventy ping. I don't even know where they're from at that point, but they're, they're miles away. And the fans have brought this up before. The fans have seen a hundred thieves lose, and the fans love to make excuses for that team. And so they've seen them have. 40, 50 ping in the server compared to 20 for other teams. Despite the fact that 100 Thieves agreed on that server and all of the players were happy on that server in the past. And the fans have just invented this narrative that it was the ping, that was the reason that they lost. Even though the players were clearly like, no, there were problems with how we were playing. It was nothing to do with the fact that we had a ping disadvantage. And so this has now been like double hard because now the fans already had this in their head because they've just been, it's their first time seeing online esports, I think. It, a lot of these guys are moving over from uh, there's a, there's a large Fortnite crossover into Valorant actually that might even yeah. be larger than the CS crossover in terms of the. Well, I imagine that's that's true because I think a lot of the Valorant kids are probably getting older, and and they're moving into Valorant yeah, kids. the next Fortnite step. Kids. Yeah. Or Fortnite, sorry, 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 Fortnite kids yeah. because <laughs> you know with Fortnite kind of declining in popularity and also those kids who started playing Fortnite actually probably being in their, some of them at least being in their late teens now, it makes sense that you would have this kind of yeah. bridge and, audience. And something very interesting about that, that we brought up on the, our podcast last time we addressed these ping issues, is that in Fortnite, ping is arguably even more important than in CS. When you build in yeah. Fortnite, ping difference can make it literally, Fortnite just decides, if you press the button at the same time, Fortnite just decides who builds a wall in one 
you know, like right. area based on who has the lower ping. And so people will just outbuild other people just based on the mm. fact that they have ping and out edit their walls and stuff like that. And so I think a lot of the audience is primed to really be thinking about this as a massive deal. Um, and, and I think that when, when the riot presents these solutions of being like, there are two servers that are pretty similar in terms of viability for both of these teams, a tournament admin will therefore decide the, the, the details of it get uh, become incredibly blown out of proportion for their fans to the point where they, they feel like it's justified to, to have this kind of response because they might've lost the game because they had the a slightly different ping discrepancy compared to had it been on the other server. Here's the I mean, context, we... though, that you might not know sure. coming from the CSGO background. And obviously, if you look at 100 Thieves, most of those people, including Frost, are from CSGO. I can tell you this. One of the other reasons I couldn't wait. I'm loving it when I see some of the players that I know in CSGO who behind the scenes are little shits go over to Valorant and think this is their paradise. You don't know who Riot Games is, motherfucker. You just came from a Valve game where they let all sorts of shit go on, especially if you're Chinese, by the way. So you're coming over, right? And you're going to imagine you're never going to be in any trouble with Riot. You don't, you've never dealt with one of these devs before. So a CSGO player, you have to understand, literally, the top pros are used to, like, belittling the admin or telling them, like, yeah, fuck off. Like, you know, like, treating them like, like shit on their shoes. So, like, the idea that they're going to come in, and as Frost did here, just, like, literally just come in at a fucking 10, just go pff, full right, full blown, like, essentially, like, threatening the person to some degree like it doesn't surprise me that this happens what surprises I, me is that they don't understand the riot games it's like listen riot games the last thing they're ever going to let you do is like show them up like if anything they have an overreaction when you well, do that well i mean i think i think riot was in the right given the information that we have about this because i think that the you know it's an online era of games and so there's always going to be some ping advantage or disadvantage for a given team we just have to take that right I, every game is in the same situation right now and so you know, delaying a game for an hour about it when there's only a there's a finite number of options and the advantage is seems like relatively like the difference is relatively minimal. I think you just have to. I, I, and I think the punishment was very mild, uh, very mild, especially given the video that I saw, which I I don't know why Hundred Thieves would release that video. That is, I, I, well, it's like I, it's like I said, it, it's it, it's like I said, right? Like I, I I put a tweet out as soon as that video came out, and all it shows me is that the situation could have been completely defused if Frost wasn't being his usual cretinous self. And you can actually see the look on his face. He's shouting at the admin. And when he can hear players laughing in the background, he's smiling and going, what kind of grown-ass man gets gassed up by his players to abuse an admin? And I also heard this, and, and I've, I've put the tweet in the, the chat for you, right? Actually, there was a chance that maybe Riot Games might have even kind of like been willing to talk about this behind the scenes. But no, and I hope you're listening to this, Nidshot, because this guy reps you in your org. And let me tell you, the fact that he used to be a CEO and he's now a coach, if you can't put this together, you're dumber than I fucking thought you were, right? So he actually tweeted publicly, ha, laughing my ass off, dude. You have to hear what happened the other day. We almost got in trouble with Riot. This guy even has to try and flex in public about what a big man he is. Now, Riot Games, they'll do things like they'll back channel. They'll go behind the scenes. But when you start clowning on them like this in public and making out they don't have the balls to punish you, they have to be firm. And that's literally yep. what this Hector guy did. He put you in the position to get penalized like this in shot. And that's yep. your man's representing your team. It's actually embarrassing. Anyone, by the way, 
way, if you're a 100 Thieves guy and you're standing for him because he fights for your players or whatever Courage told you to fucking say, right? You are an idiot. This guy, like, <coughs> he's already on probation. He's already getting the team a bad rep. You're also losing games. You know, he's only been in there, what, like two weeks officially. Like, wake the fuck up and see what this guy is. I also feel like, to me, the main issue, in fact, the whole reason I thought this episode was worth doing, I agreed with the premise, is it's all about the idea of threatening to leverage social media, right? Because that brings us to a world that I thought I'd fucking left about 10 years ago, which was, like I say, back in the day, if you were the number one team, the big famous team, and the other guy was the little known team, you just essentially, like, bully the admin and you get everything your way. Like, that's just taken yep. for granted. Back in the day in Counter-Strike, they would even just straight up say, including a good old Navi from the CIS region who was the number one team in 2010, they'd just straight up say, we'll just leave the tournament right now if you don't allow us to do whatever the fuck, you know, like, minor rule infraction we're about to do, like, you know, start or late, have someone take extra time setting up when he's already had like, uh, do whatever they wanted because they knew if you leave the tournament, as he, as our a boy here says, be way worse for the tournament organizer than if they just eat an extra like 10 minutes or some minor thing and the admin just has to eat a plate of shit. So, my problem here is right, another thing that was being debated, which is goes to Richard's point that this isn't someone just fighting for Dubois because here's the thing right think of sports yeah I get it if someone's going to like give like a my player a technical foul and I think that wasn't even a foul and it's unfair yeah you'll fight with them right you'll say oh it's unfair like what are you doing ref like you, you you're not giving us a chance here but this is the thing that is inarguable based on what he says in that video when he basically says like you know if we get DC'd it'll be worse for you than us or something else or the, the shitstorm will be worse for you than us that is literally essentially blackmail that is a threat what he is telling you there, right, is things are going to go bad for you if you DC us. Now, here's the part that I feel like people didn't even consider. Why are you discussing what the ruling would be? The admin discusses the ruling. You have no business. You're not a judge on the panel. You're not a fucking expert witness for the panel. You are the fucking defendant. You don't just go when you're in the do and the fucking trial. Like, by the way, judge, just want to let you know, I've heard that if, if things go badly, I get life. I tell you what, it'd be worse for you than it will for me, son. That that you'll be fucked up if you try that in court. That so, would be considered. You were essentially threatening the judge's life, by the way. So in this scenario, like he didn't overtly say, "I'll send all my social media minions after you." But like I say, don't even bridge that topic. It's none of your business what their ruling will be. You but, just but, give your side, you explain what you did or didn't do. It's up to them. It's their discretion what they do. You aren't involved, Frost. You aren't an admin, mate. But the thing about it that's so interesting to me about the ruling, Thorin, is that it that's that statement does imply that they're gonna send their social media like or like throw their weight around, right, publicly. But the thing about it is that Riot's ruling was updated to say that after the video was released, mm. that the actual threat was not included in the yeah, video. Yeah. And of course not, because 100 Thieves are trying to manipulate their fans again. But, but, but what was so funny about it is that I think Riot just nailed them. I love this about this ruling, which is that they said it's not in the video. So it, there was a direct threat beyond the implied threat that was made. And then on top of that, Frost agreed that he had made the real threat, which is also like re releasing this video, first off, was a bad look, even if it was everything. And second off, it was clearly clipped and manipulated to avoid the worst parts of it. And Riot, I think, good on them for, for standing up for themselves in this situation, because that way people can't debate whether or not the implied threat was a threat, right? They're saying there was a threat. It was just not made on video, right? Sideshow, like what was yeah. what was the, the progress of events there? Is that correct? 
Yes, yeah, that's completely correct. I mean, they release, they they threaten a, a social media shitstorm. Riot publicly announces that they have a punishment, and they're like, "Ah, fuck it, we'll just release the shitstorm anyway." And and they just post all of the stuff the social anyway. The exact thing that they got reprimanded for threatening. I mean, in what way is this not a mobilization of their social resources to against Riot? My my issue with all of this as well is it's about peanuts if this was about some major topic where riot had really fucked up then i understand banned or something yeah exactly something yeah. huge like something huge at that point organizations the only thing they have to fight back against riot who is an all-powerful deity within yes. valorant that is their domain where they rule the only thing you have to fight back against them is the public is the viewers that is that is the public marketing kind of uh weight that you can throw behind your 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 stance and to try and defend yourself but to do it over this devalues any attempt to do it in the future if you actually do end up getting fucked by riot and and i i'm always aware of the or or at least a little cautious of the stuff that riot's done in the past with league of legends and like the faulty like rulings that they've made in the past and how how odd things have been and their management of certain scenes and so to see an organization immediately try to start fights over them about very, very minor inconsistencies in rulings says to me that they just don't understand what they might have to be debating over if things actually went wrong. And, and you're like Let using me... all of your ammunition right at the beginning. Why the fuck would you do that? So here's the, here's the other aspect of this too. And to Thorin's earlier point about, you know, people like might not, yet understand like the difference especially if you're coming from csgo between working with valve and working with riot but and maybe they don't because steel is actually they might view riot as benevolent because steel is actually allowed to play valorant right sure. and, which i think he should be right i, I we, oh all the other uh, the brax all those cops yeah, yeah. were banned yeah they were banned but also most people think hey these guys were not banned you know the, the ban was overly severe right and the, it should have been dropped a long time ago including Richard, who literally was the source of all of this. So, um, yep. but, Lifetime bans with no appeal are unconscionable, and anyone that yeah. enforces them is scum. Yeah. So I, I think that there's that issue coming in. So they might view Riot as, as a more lenient, you know, as a more lenient company. Um, however, in this particular case, I'm actually surprised Riot didn't hit them even harder, because as soon as they release that video, and it looks like they're trying to manipulate uh, public opinion, and you actually have them admitting that they made statements that were off that video that were much more severe, I would crush them if I was Riot. I would clap them so hard because you can't, you can't like allow teams to do that, right? You can't allow teams to alter the truth or release a partial record, right? And so it, I think it's very, I think your your points are very good about the precedent that, that's being set and also like why this why die on this hill, right? Yeah. But but then not only did you choose to die on this hill, but then you recorded it and then you released, you know, just the last shot publicly of you dying, but didn't show that you deserved it at all, right? <laughs> oh, by the way, that's, that's the another thing. thing. Here's another thing to throw out there. First of all, the entire thing is completely scoffed for us as outsiders. Because on the one hand, there's a video of it, but it's only one side of the conversation and it's edited. Like, first of all, why are we seeing video at all, 100 Thieves? Like, why isn't this just a conversation between you and the admins? And if something happened, you claim it happened. We're supposed to trust you. You believe that you'd say what you say. Right? 
but people can believe riot if they want. Why is any of it being made publicly? You are inherently trying to influence the public there. And anyone Why who says being recorded. Anyone who says, but they, well, I don't know. I, could probably I think you actually do have to do that for integrity reasons. I think that's in case you're like stream of watching the on the stream or something. I would imagine, okay, like, and okay, say yes. Right, yeah. Right, right. So I here's the thing, right? Anyone to. who's going to say, yeah, but they didn't overtly say for their fans to attack them. Listen, I know none of you in America will know this because you barely know your own fucking history. But look up a famous case of a guy called Henry II, who was the King of England, and a person called Thomas Beckett. And when he went, well, no one rid me of this turbulent priest. And then bizarrely, one of the knights of his just went and killed the guy for him. And he went, bloody hell, I didn't even ask for that. Oh, brilliant. Sound, sound, sound. Like, that's what you're doing when you put that video out there. Because when you put that video out there, what do you think is going to happen? All those ride or die 14-year-olds who two years ago were swinging off ninjas nuts, they think this is their cause. This is their Vietnam. They're just going into battle at that point in time over some dog shit fucking video. Like, cause I saw everyone's just like, he is spitting now. Like, <laughs> mate, I saw, I saw people like, I mean, like that Ultra Lex guy, like who's just, you know, diseased. Like, it's, it's insane. Everyone was going like, this is straight fire. All the COD players were there doing the big eyes, looking at it. Like, you're all fucking <laughs> morons. Like, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you a very real problem. We've got an esports, right? And we've had it for a while, and we're only just turning the fucking corner on it and it is the disproportionate amount of influence and power orgs and pro players have over the competitive integrity of tournaments i'm talking about fucking admins being straight up bullied straight up threatened straight up afraid to make decisions i'm talking about really bad admins making decisions and going to players right decide among yourselves which way it's gonna go up you know we'll let you no 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 no. an admin ruling has to be final do we even have a sport by the way if we can't even referee it properly without big reputations influence the outcome we already got enough problems with match fixers and all and cheaters and all sorts of other cunts in the fucking scene and what we're just gonna let players and orgs bully the referees now on top of all of that no absolutely not and let me tell you all of these people who are doing big eyes and fire emoji and all the other stuff because you can't communicate in words because you're all about AEIQ, which is why you're on the wrong side of this argument right <laughs> that at, at the end of the day if it happened to you where a bigger team influenced an admin via a threat of leveraging their social media to get you knocked out a tournament or put you in an unfavorable position you would be crying about it for years so no he's not spitting facts fax machine emoji he's not doing that what he's doing is disrupting the fucking competitive integrity of an emergent esport and you should fucking care about that because that's your bread and butter you dickheads my man is disrupting the landscape of an emergent like that that sounds even sicker actually right that down it's actually you know it's, it, it's actually unreal though it's like there has to be adults in the room i'm sick of it having to be fucking me all the time or somebody else with a bit of experience if you cannot see the bigger problem here that actually we're saying well because it's 100 thieves and we all love their merch and we all love courage and you know we all love this it's actually okay that they do it now no it's actually unforgivable what they've done because not only have they in the first instance basically been rude and talked down to an admin who has already made the decision then delayed the tournament for an hour disrespecting their teammates disrespecting the fans who wanted to tune in and watch them play by extension their own fans but 100 thieves fans are all morons who are brainwashed so you're never gonna make them see how disrespectful it is in the long run on top of all of that you then release essentially contrived edited footage to get a favorable public outcome <laughs> knowing all the while you were previously 
actually admitted to the offence you are now denying publicly. If I was Riot, I'd have fucking banned you cunts for six months straight up. You, <laughs> you Your feet would not touch the floor. You, you know my favourite thing about this too, Richard, is like AT&T sponsors that gaming room or whatever. Mm. And, and mm. basically that video is like 850,000 views when I looked at it, to, when I watched it today on Twitter of it's just this guy sitting in the corner and like the AT&T logo right in the middle and them just like shouting, shouting, shouting about ping, which by the way, uh, especially when it's an internet issue. So for example, I have AT&T fiber, which is wonderful, by the way, it works very nicely here in Los Angeles. You can sponsor this show. We won't throw you under the bus. But that said, if I was if I was complaining, if I was AT and T and I saw a million viewed video with my logo in the middle, and the subject is ping, and basically I'm just listening to we have horrible ping while I'm staring at an AT and T logo, and those things are just merging into one thing in my brain, right? AT and T equals horrible ping, and then on top of that, the video is literally a guy just shouting down an admin and holding a tournament hostage. You know, AT and T. I, I don't know if I'd be happy with that. I don't know if that's kind of the brand association I want, either in terms of subject or in terms of content right it's it's a really bad look and i don't you know this is another one of those things like what happened with tsm and the need to abuse the customer services representative in perfect clarity <laughs> why not use at&t <laughs> need to get your karen on at&t has you covered you know like yeah the optics of it are fucking terrible but but like why why would that not come into the decision-making process that you have, right? Because that's one of the first things that I see when I watch that clip. And it, it just makes it even worse in many ways, right? Um, so I, I don't know. Like I Man, no one in hundred thieves was thinking any of that. They were just thinking about they see me rolling, they hating, and then they were just fucking posting the video on the internet. They don't think about it. Then they went, fucking hell, nine hundred K views. This is almost like when we challenge each other to like, I don't know, fucking say some shit about dude, the other cod team. Dude, I can't wait until they generate a uh generate a sponsorship report and then they include those numbers in the AT&T and be like, look, AT and T, yeah. we we got this look at this million social media impressions we got over this. Not Dude, even, I'm like, surprised Nature hasn't already tweeted. I'm surprised Nature <laughs> hasn't tweeted out yet like 10,000 retweets and I'll tattoo fucking Frida Homie Frost in fucking Gothic across my face. Like, that's the sort of level these clout chasers are on. One thing I, I wanted to bring up, though, I said it earlier, I wanted to, to tie back into it, right? Which is, I made the case earlier and I very briefly alluded to it. One of the reasons this is a massive topic to me and Richard is we've just come out of the era when that was acceptable in Counter-Strike. Yeah. Now, to some degree, it isn't because the teams get paid fucking appearance fees. They get treated very, very well by the events. They get flown there by the events. They get good hotels. They get the brand of fucking spring water that only this cunt can drink. And then now, the only thing we argue about in CS is like, can I wear a hat under my fucking headphones? Like, again, <laughs> stuff that's so trivial. Again, that's why I was loving when these guys went to Valorant. So you just enjoy that game, mate. But here's the thing, right? If I go back in time, even in CSGO, the history of like mad bias by admins due to fear of the popularity and potential backlash and reprisals of a big name player disagreeing with you has ruined actual tournaments. Like basically, without going too far, I can actually say it probably decided who won a fucking major in CSGO because the admins involved were Swedish and the team that they were involved with was Swedish and they were trying to give this Swedish team every possible out to get in a scenario to win a major. Like they were going 
back and saw a bunch of French players had to argue with some Swedish, like, fucking volunteer-level admins and then guys who make pittance back then over whether a Swedish team committed a violation. Like, you don't want to be in that situation. And then, like I said, in past years, it was even worse. When you were just on land and there was no cameras, it was an absolute fucking Wild West. And back then, I used to literally say to these TOs, don't tell me, oh, but we had to do it because, you know, they were going to walk out. I said, then disqualify them. Be the one who has the balls to disqualify the team, the world number one at this tournament and make sure they never do it again. And you know what? If you do that, if you actually had the balls to do it, now actually the ball's in their now it's their all gone who's going to be mad at them. So I sent you to this event and you've been disqualified and you had a chance to win it and you got nothing from it. The sponsors are paying your salary. He's like, that's what I've been waiting for for so many years. So to see a brand new game where everyone's hyping the fuck that it's the next future of esports. No, well, not right yet, but yet the future of esports. Like another one of those games. Like, And it's got shit from like 15 years ago. Now I'm hearing about ping problems. There's no servers within the same part of the fucking country. Now admins are just going, oh, sorry, sir. Yep, yep. Sure thing. Oh no! Please don't tweet about me. Like, what is this? This isn't a professional esport. Sideshow, you want to chip in, uh, chime in here? Sorry, I know you've had. I yeah, I I was gonna I was gonna comment on the uh, on the previous thing as well. Yeah, we about can go the, back. Let's do it. The cloud the cloud chasing aspect of it too. Yeah, because oh, I just after deal. just after I'd finished uh, doing a podcast on uh, about this topic as part of it, I I looked at my YouTube channel and I'm following the Call of Duty League. And they have a video that they just released called LA Thieves versus Kindergartners. And it, that's, a, that's a video that they posted an hour ago. And all they needed to do was go into the other room. Apparently, that's, that's literally all they had to do was the 100 Thieves Call of Duty team just had to walk into the other room and take a look at what was happening in the, the AT&T Valorant mobile room. And th there you go. There's your whole video. <laughs> <laughs> well played. I mean, I mean, look, on, on the cloud chasing aspect of it, it's like, look, this is a real problem because, uh, you know, let, let's. I'm going to say something that's going to be deeply controversial and divisive, but it's true. Uh, Americans and Europeans don't think the same way about things, uh, in particular sports. And for the longest period of time, you've seen the schism that's occurring in esports where more and more these owners don't want to actually build something that's about success and excellence. They want to build something that's based on ROI, you know, return of investment. And they're not really interested. Uh, ROI is definitely the priority over trophies. I think in Europe, we're still thinking about silverware as being the number one, uh, you know, metric by which you judge how successful you've been. And this is why things like the Overwatch League are artificially propped up and CDL suddenly interesting. You know, Nadeshot says, I don't want to be in that unless they make concessions. And then he's in that, right? You know, a lot it... more money to get into that, by the way, because the CDL did very well in year one. And so certainly the price of franchising increased, right? Mm. And so what we end up with is that, as I say, because Americans uh, have blurred the lines between this uh we're an esports team like we're an esports org but we're also we've got influencers we're doing music videos we're yes. selling merch they do know if they're a sports team or an entertainment yeah. product yeah yeah exa brand, exactly you know. and 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 what what what's ended up happening is unfortunately as you have in north america all the adults now in the room um because a lot of people have sold up um, and you've got this new wave of people who are running supposedly esports orgs, but the only thing they've ever built in their lives is a fucking YouTube channel, you know, and, and they're running a, a, a multifaceted business. They don't really understand what esports is. 
um, even if they've been competitors themselves in some areas. And so what you end up with is all of that stuff that works in the influencer world, you know, hey, why don't we settle this with the boxing match? I totally hate you, bro. Here's your video. And they make videos about each other and all that nonsense and 10,000 retweets. None of that works here in esports. None of that matters. Like, Except about... for this show. Yes, yes. Of course. <laughs> you know. Um, and, 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 that could have been and, rough, actually. That's a good point, Molly. That could have been rough. Good yeah. save. <laughs> Yes. Good say. No, but how else could we get the American Zoomers to watch? True. If we, we, we if they're like, oh, look, it must be good. They're, they're getting retweets. You fucking rubes. <laughs> rubes, all of you. But anyway, right? Yeah, good point. Uh, we're hypocrites, but whatever. Now shut the fuck up and listen. So the, the, the reality is that you end up with all of that stuff bleeding through. And so the clout chasing aspect is this. 100 Thieves don't even care about the ruling. They don't care about the result. In fact, they never even cared about the disadvantage. What they actually care about is being able to not be Riot's bitch, being able to exercise influence and being able to show their fans, we're in charge, we're building Valorant, we're a big name, we're not a pushover. It's the exact same thing with TSM, it's the exact same thing with Cloud9, it's the exact same thing with a number of esports organizations. They want the public perception to be that we are in control, that at, at, at the very worst, it's a symbiotic relationship we have with Riot. And look, look at all of our fans that agree with us. How can so many people be wrong so when when you take the attitude into competition the rest of the world is going to look upon that distastefully in fact there's a number of american orgs that aren't as big as those guys that are going to look on that distastefully and i find like the clout chasing aspect of it has no place in competition i also think it's very interesting to I, this is going to be a sidebar off the conversation but one thing that that I was commenting on yesterday when Steele was tweeting, because he was tweeting about, he was tweeting a link to the Blitz app, right? Now, keep in mind, he's a 100 Thieves mm -hmm. player. And I all the dots just kind of connected for me at one time, because recently, if you guys don't know, in, in League of Legends, Reggie, the owner of TSM, was saying that basically he really liked 100 Thieves' business model and like approved of them compared to other esports or LCS teams. Now, the thing about the Blitz app, it is literally owned by TSM, right? And it is sponsoring 100 Thieves. So Steel is drawing money from two organizations, one of which he actively competes against, which to me is a pretty big breach of competitive integrity because it creates a fundamental conflict of interest. And I'm not really sure why or how this is allowed. And let's just say... if Money's I catchphrase was, coming out again. <laughs> if, if, I was, if I was Steel... Maybe I wouldn't do that because, you know, maybe Steel doesn't have the best history of competitive integrity. Just going to put that out there. So maybe having an appearance of being in the pocket of a sponsor that is owned by one of your rivals is not the best idea. That's uh, like some Korean level in particular. shit people don't know. <laughs> yeah. And Isn't so it fully owned by TSM. I wasn't aware of that. At all. Yes, yes exactly. a couple of years ago. Right, they, right, TSM yeah. bought Blitz and uh, they've been building out. It's part of, you know, their whole play with their website network. They build right. because TSM's real empire is a video advertising empire that runs across their website network. And if you've used the Blitz app, you know that it is just lousy with video ads that play constantly. Uh, so they make money. So like, I, you know, my concern too is that now in Valorant, we're seeing some very clear conflict of interest that could affect the competitive integrity of the game because players are allowed to basically draw money from multiple teams simultaneously, which I, again, I have no idea why this is allowed. Maybe they just haven't gotten around to, to dealing with it yet, but it's a, it's a concern for me.
Because it's like what happened in CS at the start. So when when skins first came in, right? This is why, you know, you have to understand when me and Duncan are talking, we're not pulling this stuff out of our ass. We've lived this history. We've seen everything you're going to do. We've already seen an eSport that's done it. And if it isn't CS, it's another one. We've been around almost 20 years. You know, like, so there's nothing new in esports because the people who are at the top of it are unimaginative fucking dullards. You're just destined to repeat history. You Half of you don't even look five years back, let alone 15. So, Mate, in 2013, I used to have to literally argue on the, t on the League of Legends subreddit with Freak from Riot over whether or not, like, a best of five is a better display of the skill of the winning team than the fucking best of three. In 2013, mate, like... <laughs> like and that's yeah. like that's almost like having a debate like i think maybe this wheel thing could take off and he's like what are you talking about like feet are just fine like why would i need a wheel like <laughs> so let's talk hell. about some of the shit that went on in csgo in terms of individual sponsorship and you know obviously uh nade shots in the chat saying oh we're not officially sponsored by them it's something we let individual players do an individual player on your team being sponsored by a direct could rival be manipulated yeah. by that rival yeah still it still isn't a good look by the way but whatever so let's so so it's fine you know you, you, the hundred thieves fans will think you've nailed that nade shot. We're, you fool, you're not fooling anyone on this panel. But the, the 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 reality is this: like if you go back into CS:GO, when all those skins gambling websites came out, individual players were taking individual deals with those websites that were not only owned in some cases by rival or companies, but were also being run by huge betters, huge gamblers that were giving them knives and skins and dragon laws and all that to use in the game. No one batted an eye against this. No one even said that this has the potential to be really, really bad. Especially it wasn't a big given. Deal. Yeah. There, there, there are a number of players who I think have got away with match fixing and other stuff at the very top end. Some of them still playing now from that era back in 2014 uh, because they were compromised because they had gambling addictions and these betters, the people who would own the sites, would give them the skins, essentially a cryptocurrency, that's all skins ever were, yes. um, to basically bet on their websites. And there were a number of people I've talked to. But there were people who like basically lost their entire form for two years because they were lost in the gambling source. And every, every so often you would see an account and it was clearly theirs and they would be placing all these like mad loose bets while they were still competing. Nobody batted an eyelid. So understand, I'm not saying Valorant is uniquely poised. I'm not saying you new school guys with your franchise leagues and your Babby's first FPS esports. I'm not saying you guys are like uniquely bad. But you should listen to the people who've been around and seen this stuff before, you know. Like, that's all I'm asking. Like, it's like being in the body snatchers, Monty, you know. I'm telling you, you the pod even, people they here. They the pod people here. They're uniquely bad. They're just generically bad like everyone else. That's yeah. the most boring kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, definitely don't open that, especially given the one thing Riot isn't ready to tackle is the deeply ingrained problems that are about to emerge themselves in Valorant. I'm talking about all of the match Fixes that deliberately fixed matches in CS, knowing they could move over to Valorant and have a fresh start when we don't know what Riot's going to do about that, if anything. Those people are morally compromised to their core, and if they don't receive any punishment for it, who knows what they'll do over in your game, but let me guess. Probably be executives at Riot eventually. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know you guys don't do your due diligence, and I know that because somebody like Frost can rise to the level of being a coach. If you knew the baggage he was coming over with, you would never have a point him so let's be real valorant right now is a way to make money for north american influencers you don't even treat it like a sport you treat it like a cash grab i don't even know if you really have prolonged confidence in it it's just a better deal for you than csgo right now and that's the only reason you're there let's 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 call it as it is
let's talk about let's return to the actual issue at hand because i know you guys have this history with frost that is informing your opinions of this so i want to start with sideshow and say sideshow what is your what what is the history of frost within the valorant scene and what has what has been his effect so far beyond this because he's only been joining recently right very recently, and he hasn't been particularly vocal, actually. So I think it, in terms of the public perception of Frost in the Valorant scene, it's almost almost non-existent. Like the, in terms of what he's done with the team, I think most people would be aware that he's a coach that was recently added. He's worked with them for a while back in the past, though, as well. Um, and, and that's about it. I think this is the first time that it's really reared its head. Prior to this, he was only... Um, present in the in the like videos that they were doing or arguing with people on Reddit. Actually, he's one of the people that goes into the Reddit threads and battles it out with the fans, which I personally think is never a good look for anybody to be doing. I love it, so, man. I was going to yeah. say Richard. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know a ton that. of people that do it, like peers that do it as well. It seems to drive them crazy. I, I always feel like it's a terrible thing to wade into, but that is that as far as as far as within the Valorant scene. This is the first time that it's been like a, a a public appearance of of sorts. He's not otherwise doing like a ton of interviews for them and taking claim for things and that kind of stuff. He's mostly just worked behind the scenes in the short history of 100 Thieves Valorant. Have you heard any anything about his effect on the team or noticed it yourself in your analysis at all, or is it just too come on? You gotta that? you gotta tell you gotta tell a story. Come on. Well, the, well, I, I, I so Come I've on. talked with. I, I have the thing is though that it's a multi tier. Like uh, I've, I've enjoyed some of my interactions with Frost though too, because I don't come from CS. Right? No, well, here I need to backpedal in order to forward pedal because I'm <laughs> all right. Okay, I, I'm all back up in the corner. Probably going to be the name now. of your fucking biography, man. <laughs> <laughs> I so I, I've talked to Frost just behind the scenes because he was. Um, because he's a coach for 100 Thieves, and I like to get in touch with a bunch of the coaches and figure out what's going on behind the scenes with, with coaches. So I've got in touch with him before to ask like what the calling situation was on the team, because it was hard to tell whether Steel or Nitro was going uh, to be IGLing for them. So he was talking to me about that and some of the other stuff as well. Um, the first time he got in touch was amusing, because he, uh, he got in touch because Asana was a fan of the show. Um, and, and then, um, I, I, I remember this comment because it's, it's just entertaining to me. He said, uh, yeah, I, I'm a fan of most of the stuff that you do. I'm, I'm a fan of the content you produce for the most part. And I just thought that was a really entertaining way of getting in touch with somebody because it's, it's so weird that you would bring that part up. Like, I, I mean, I would apply that to almost everybody that I enjoy content from. I don't enjoy everybody's content, but I also don't tell them that I only enjoy most of their content and there's some that I don't enjoy. So, yeah, but, but aside from that, the other interactions that I have had with him have been both pleasant and analytical. And so I, I was also completely unaware of his past within the, the CS scene and also was... I honestly surprised to see the video at like, I think the way you described it earlier, the way that he went into it at a 10 was like, took me back because when I'd been chatting to him about some random stuff for the hundred thieves, he didn't see, I mean, he wasn't going at me at a 10. So I was, that was entertaining to me, but that's basically all of the interactions that I've seen with him within the Valorant scene. He hasn't, it's not like he's kicked up a shitstorm in Valorant. Well, I would say this, like, go, on, go on, Duncan. I know you've got material about this. Basically, 
this is just one of these people where like like what's what people don't know is like I don't mind bantering people in real life or on Twitter or whatever, etc. But actually, if you ever notice, go look up the trend, right? I don't just go hard at people who've never done and said anything to me. Like I basically give back. I've told everyone my approach. I learned it from the motherfucking movie in 1987 called The Untouchables. They bring a knife, I bring a gun. They put me in the hospital, I put them in the grate in the morgue. It's the way it's done. R.I.P. Sean Connery, one of the last true men to actually fucking live in Hollywood. So okay, what the problem that one of these guys has is he's one of those people where when he was a low level like owner of Flipside, who by the way before the Ukrainian team was nothing, they just had some like shit fucking NA team or something. And even yeah. the Ukrainian team was notorious for doing fuck all except getting into the major. And then in the meantime, people used to even joke like they only play at the majors, like they would just chill. So they were never a super relevant team. They were like a, a, tier, a good tier two team, never truly a tier one team, quite frankly. This guy would talk, and this is what they all do in esports. The tier two owner is like the guy who's like got like a sort of like slightly successful used car dealership. And so his all insecurities, he's not a real businessman. He's just got a small business, right? So he has to flex all the time and pretend he's a huge businessman. One stands a business one. This is just our business done around here. So this guy did a classic move, which I can tell you right now is a brilliant way to get yourself to the top of Richard Lewis's shit list, which is whenever he makes some sort of like, you know, insightful comment, maybe some sort of shrewd take about the esports industry. Since you're in the industry vaguely, just pretend like you're a key player who maybe even has like secret information and just start replying going yeah well it's not quite just that though is it though there's more going on behind like so basically you can go and look this up like he even got involved in some scenarios where he had no business like for example when at the classic infamous incident with Richard at Dreamhack Winter where he had an altercation with Lauder you can go look this up on Twitter I just looked it up now right Kelly Milkey's the girlfriend of Lauder who was directly involved in it and was basically the whole reason that incident happened and egged <laughs> yeah. it all on Richard's yeah. going back and forth with her arguing right and this twat just comes out of nowhere. This is before Flipside was at all relevant, mate. It's like some massive team. He just comes out of nowhere and starts telling Richard, like, well, you guys just calm down. You're acting like little kids. You know, this doesn't really even have anything to do. It's like, what are you What are you talking about? Who are you? You're not, you're not fucking Dr. Phil. Like, now you sit down over there and you sit down over here and I need you to tell him how you're feeling about it. Let's stop the hostility. What, I'm feeling a lot of bad vibes from you right now. You would say, like, what are you doing? Who the fuck are you, self-appointed judge? So anyway, basically, I can sum this guy up like this. He's one of these people who has a very unique quality. I used to have it until I turned it into an award-winning fucking like fantastically beneficial skill in life. It's called anti-charisma. I knew years ago I could never be the most liked person in the room. I could be the most fucking hated and in a way that's so compelling you'll be hoping I get kicked out of the room. You'll watch me say all the things you You've, hate. You have nailed that, Duncan. Like, I'll be you'll watch me say all the things you hate when you wouldn't even watch your own friend give an hour of stuff you love because you're like, I probably know most of it. You wouldn't be, you'd be, you'd be like Malcolm Clockwork Orange just watching every fucking second of answer. So here's the thing. I get it, right? But even so, because I'm British, actually, if I've never met people before, I'm usually pretty polite in person. This yeah. is one of these people where every initial interaction I've ever seen him have with someone he doesn't know, it's just some like obnoxious shit where the person's like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he, why is he got an attitude? Because he just inserts himself where he does not belong. So I wasn't surprised at all when I saw this video. I thought, this is what happens when you give a low-level grifter a tiny bit of power. He thinks it's like you just got one of the fucking like stones in like the Infinity Stones, like... <laughs> Uh, now reality can be whatever I want it to be. Like this is this guy's out of control. And no. it's like listen, Nate Shot, you're the only one who can you can you're the only one who you don't even know hope, Obi Wan. You, you don't even you don't even know. So right, like back when we did A League, obviously flip side were in there. And I don't even know why. Well, I do know why. You, uh, was the, this when Stimbo was still on flip side? 
No, uh, no, you only played so for one tournament, mate. Yeah, that was that was the 2017 was one. So that was World Edit, Markolov, Blade, yes. Electronic, Waylander. It was that lineup. So anyway, you know, this was um, right. So first of all, we were mad scrambling to fill the teams uh, because we'd had a number of issues. I think we'd actually over uh, shot for how many we were going to go for. One of the people who was handling the joint venture fucking made a bunch of promises. It was it was a nightmare anyway. So. A lot of the owners were super understanding, just come in. They wanted to be on E-League. It's American TV. Why wouldn't you want to be on TBS? You know, this guy was unreal because at the time he also ran like a stats compiling. One of the earliest. Basically, it was one of those ones. Stats Helix. Basically, the main use that everyone needed this shit for wasn't it? Also, what didn't it? Wasn't it also what? I'm I'm mistaken here. Where you could like put the demo into it and let you see like, yeah. the third person. It would decompile Bas- a demo. Yeah. it was good kit. It was good oh, no. kit. It was basically at the time it was the best technology. Like at the time, you know, instead of having to watch yeah. an actual demo, you could just look at where they moved on the map and make it really quick, you know, and see basic strats that someone was doing. Now, if you don't know why, everyone who developed that technology had one goal in mind, and it was never the public. It was always that I'm going to make this a private yeah. service yeah. and I'm going to charge. T- and then their thought was, you know, Cloud9, whoever, fucking SK game, and whoever's in the game at the time, they'll come to me and they'll pay me. Of the other mad unreasonable ones. They thought it'd be like, I'll have 5k a month to just use my fucking demo app. There's also some like clever kid out of Ukraine that's going to make an even better one for nothing. So basically, I also heard in that scenario, because when I didn't know he was involved with that, Richard, I would just say to people, why don't you use that stats helic one? Isn't that the main one? And then they would just be like, oh, you don't want to know what's like dealing with that guy. Like, mate, he's just like, you don't want him getting any hooks in here. Like, he's again, he's just being an asshole in those negotiation type scenarios, so- you know. He he was rude to every other team owner while he was there talking about like, you know, this is a guy who would like literally like, oh, here's Steve Arnset from Team Liquid or whatever. And he would literally go like, you know, well, my achievements, like you just to his face, apropos of nothing, my achievements completely outweigh yours because I built this team with no money. You know, and, and just mad shit like that. He was basically he was just one of these people who had like a personality defect. So he always believed he was the smartest person in the room before he even knew he was in the fucking room. And he would just act so obnoxious. And so there was that shit. Then there was he tried to like leverage, like he was trying to basically pressure E League into like taking stat helix on. We said we were interested in looking at maybe like some demo we technology. Stats helix at Flashpoint, for example. Yeah, I, I think we might have used stats helix, did we, for a little bit? Might and have then done. I th- yeah, I can't even remember. But basically, the bottom line is he was trying to jack up the price massively because it was going to be on TV. And we were kind of yeah. like, well, surely the exposure for the software is kind of your thing. And he would, like, tee off and go absolutely fucking mental at us. Then his other favorite trick. Me and Duncan used to have a podcast, you know? And we'd be talking about, you know, players, maybe some flip side players, talking about how maybe, you know, Markelov was washing up or whatever. And this guy, every time, would be complaining to us about how dare we express these opinions. So in the end, I just said to him, look, mate, my opinions are my opinions, and if you don't like it, you'll have to get in line with all the other cunts uh, to fucking cry about it. That's the end. Like, you know, who the fuck are you? Like, you're not some, like, god-tier puppet master. So he went and complained to my bosses. He did the old... Because he, cause he was a Karen before we knew what Karens were, this cunt. So... He was that guy. He was that guy who was basically just some Can I speak to a manager, please? Can I speak? Richard yeah. Lewis, one of your employees. He, he, he was a guy who was an absolute <laughs> fucking wanker who'd achieved nothing, who was basically trying to make out he'd achieved all these grandiose things. No surprise to see, by the way, that Flipside completely created. He's like saying, former CEO, how much money did you make, mate? I bet I made more off fucking, you know, like 
selling a used card and you ever made off that. And how do I know that? Because here's a little interesting tidbit. And I like to say, I'll, I'll get you, mate. I don't like liars and grifters in my fucking esports space. So be very careful because you're on fucking thin ice. This guy, ever since, because Riot have now put him on probation, he's desperately going around trying to plug the gaps. And towards Flipside's time, there were a number of teams and a number of players that were owed money um, from certain aspects of their playing time and representing Flipside. And mysteriously, out of the blue, just the other day, he's deciding to contact them and settle some debts. Ain't that weird? Ain't that weird? While some of these motherfuckers have been waiting two years well, to get their paper. So fuck this guy and fuck Nadeshot for not even being able to pick up the fucking phone. <laughs> oh, no. Right? Richard said we got an everyone else. No. <laughs> yeah. All you'd have to do, by the way, to find out this guy is a fake and a fraud and a fucking grifter is just ask around. But you yes. won't do that. You won't do that, will you? Because what, did he give you a warm, fuzzy feeling? Did he pander to you? <laughs> Yeah, is that what he did? Did he suck up to you? And you went, well, he must be smart to be sucking up to me. You people deserve each other. Idiots. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I mean, I think that this is part of a kind of a, a broader, more systemic issue that we're going to see crop up with Valorant, though, which is that a lot of the undesirables from CSGO who couldn't survive in CSGO for various reasons, Richard alluded to it before in terms of match fixing details that will come out eventually, um, you know, an inability to compete at the top level or that they had been kind of tossed out of the scene for various reasons. Cause not all that stuff obviously happens publicly in esports guys. Sometimes everyone behind the scenes knows something. And so that's why a player doesn't get signed or, or that's why this person isn't hired as a coach. Right. But Valorant has, has provided a place for all of these people to potentially go and use the skills that they've developed in CSGO. And I think one of the, the hardest things that Riot's going to have to deal with is, is this entire situation because how are they going to react to potential max match fixing details? How are you going to react to debts unpaid in other scenes or various, you know, potential legal issues or just ethical breaches that have happened. And I'm very curious how this all shakes out because it's going to set a precedent of what happens across developers. Like we shouldn't be providing escape hatches from developer to developer for these kind of people because they, we need to get them out of the scene period. So it's a huge, it's going, it is a huge issue and it's going to be even more of an issue especially if Valorant goes down the franchising route and especially if more investment in the game and the esports side starts to grow it's it's a concern Sideshow, do you ever do you have conversations about this are you aware of these things going on in Valorant because from the kind of from the the CS:GO side it is it is a pretty big focus i would say yeah i think within the scene as well when um when ESIC put out their um the 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 ETA that they originally were aiming for with the match fixing report. That was something that a lot of us were discussing within the Valorant scene. And at, this, at a similar time, certain players were dropped as well. At the same time as they were asking people to come out and, and say that they had been involved in this kind of stuff and get reduced sentences, essentially, they, some people were removed from teams. And we said that, we said at the time, and I still believe this to be the case as well, that if, if you release someone and it's not for that reason, at the same time as that stuff is going on within the CS scene, you have to be explicit about the reason you release the player if you're a, if you're an organization. Because otherwise, the entire community is just going to assume that you quietly yes. let them go because of match fixing. Yes. So I, I, there's still players where people in the Valorant scene are assuming that it was match fixing. Even though none of the rest of it has come out yet, although I believe it's still being worked on, because 
this well, Richard really knows a lot about that. Yeah, I know. I've I've I was listening recently to one of Richard's things where he was talking about uh, the the uh, ESIC as well and and its potential futures in terms of reporting things. But I think that that will be a hammer blow to the community too. There's a lot of people that have gotten away with stuff just naturally. I mean, you, you know that they will have done. You don't know who it is though. So my my point of view has always been that because I don't have the inside loop on what's going on with the match fixing scandal. I've got to assume that everyone didn't participate in it and assume that they are a normal part of, of the scene yes. until it occurs. And then at that point, well, yeah, obviously get the fuck out. But well, I, I, I don't even know how much I, 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 I want to say about this, but just to put it in context, especially for you, um, Josh, because I know we don't talk very often. Um, you know, the other guys know. So since the ESIC report started, I mean, right, so I've been working on all of this match fixing in North America since September last year. And I've already sent about 20,000 words worth of reports to ESIC uh, that aren't for public consumption. Um, I've worked with betting sites and commissions to look at odds, look at games. This is just what I'm doing. I don't even know what ESIC are doing to preserve the integrity of the investigation. They can't share information with me. Obviously, I could be in on it. I could be working the long con, right? So they, 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 better, they better not share anything what with me. What a long con. It would be 20, well, 20 well, years I mean, of no money to get one more pair for the other. Honestly, if, if you know, that, obviously Richard isn't doing this, but the, the threat would be that Richard is getting paid by the players to exonerate them in sure. the eyes of ESIC, right? So it sure. could be a conspiracy. And we already had Zombs accuse me of being paid off by Jack at the end. Uh, if you remember that, to be like, what was Thomas it for the iBuy Power? Interview? Yeah, basically, I, I the iBuy Power story. Jack at the end paid for the iBuy Power story because that meant Cloud Nine would become the number one North American team and win a major in 2018. It was all that's like, Jack, Jack, right no, yeah, that's Jack at the end. Jack at the end is fucking on the spice like Paul Atreides. <laughs> yes, exactly. He, he can see every future, you know. So Zombs is just a moron. I mean, typical, you know, Valorant pro in that sense. But anyway, so. To, to the to the point um, of what we're talking about here with the match fixing stuff, I'll 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 say this: Riot are holding interviews now behind the scenes. They're interviewing players behind the scenes. They are doing that. That is happening. They they want to have an understanding of the lay of the land. But I do not. Right. First of all, I've talked to orgs who have said, "Hey, Richard, can we sign this player?" Um, because he suspected a match fixing. And I've looked at my notes and I've looked at everything and I've gone, you know what? I probably wouldn't. Um, and then some of them assigned them, some of them haven't. And some, some of those orgs are telling me, Riot have cleared them. So let me be clear. Riot, you can't clear shit. Like you're not in a position to. If ESIC can't, you definitely can't. If we're not there with ESIC, we are not there with Riot. You are a games developer. You don't have the level of access that they do. You yeah. can't clear anybody. And this yes. makes me very worried about Riot Games' attitude towards match fixing and competitive integrity issues coming over from other scenes. I'll just do this, and this is really bad business because I might be, <laughs> but I don't give a fuck. The truth is the truth. Ardis for G2, and I love Ocelot dearly i mean really do love him uh I, I, that is the accurate word but i am just going to lay it on the line ardis was caught on a recording saying to people who called cheats i would have fixed a match for you but you upset me and pissed me off and so i didn't do it <laughs> right that recording was deemed by riot to exonerate him 
<laughs> so, but he said I, he didn't I, do it, Richard. <laughs> so I would have yes. committed the crime. Uh, you know, I mean, fucking, what's he called? The cunt with the tigers is in prison for less than that, isn't he? So, you know, at the end of the day, mate, like, I don't think Riot really understands. Yes. Uh, you know the scope of what's going on, and I and I'm gonna tell you in a few in in probably in a few weeks time, there's a recording where we've got players on a recording, planning to throw two matches, dead to rights. This is then bled into a huge investigation, and every time you turn over a rock in NACS right now. There's another 50 under it with fucking other worms and vermin and scum. It's a nightmare. And I, I sympathize with these six. I think they've bitten off way more than they can chew. But I don't think Riot Games are going to take this seriously. If they were taking it seriously, Ardis would have at least well, had a year ban. But I, I think, I think, I think it's hard for them to take it seriously, right? Like until they have more they information. Do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my question is what what uh, because I, I agree with you that the, it's an incredibly complex topic to get into and like you and Isik are specialized within that aspect. So I I suppose my question would be what what do you think Riot should have done at the point at which they they were aiming to either clear or ban artists from the scene because they I feel like they could have only done two at that point in time. Like they can't sure. just leave him in a gray area where it's like We'll let him play, but we're not going to clear him. Like you, have, How I it works know, in real sports, if I sit down and have a cup of tea with someone who's asking me to fix a game and I entertain it, I serve a it's suspension. Already. It's over already. I serve a yep. suspension. You can look at this. John Higgins is an example. It's a very famous one for player. Yep. Uh, There were a number of sting operations in other sports. I mean, hell, Sam Allardyce um, essentially lost a job on, on, on that basis. It's a football that manager. Yeah, you know, because he was looking at bribes and bungs and all of this stuff. To entertain corruption carries its own penalty. Yes. Ardis was on a serve, a, a, a disc, uh, not a team speak server, sorry, to be accurate, um, and basically was talking to two cheat coders, people who already attack the integrity of the space, basically saying in a very thick Scouse accent, so you know it's him. That I, I would absolutely have thrown those games, but you upset me. And that's the only reason I didn't do it. That the the fact that he's on G2 after that tells me what I've been saying from the start. Valorant ain't ready for the influx of slime you're gonna get from all these other games because they think they're safe. <laughs> to them, it's like when Ronnie Biggs, the bank robber, fucked off to Brazil for 30 years. That's what they think they're gonna get to do with Valorant. And so Right, well, do, you, have do you blame them though? Because the people who were caught and punished by CS:GO have been allowed to continue on in Valorant, so that they the, the perception was created in Valorant by allowing people like Brax and AZK and Steel to compete. Right? They already did their time, Lord. So that's like no, saying, no, no, okay, I'm just so, saying, no, I'm not yeah. saying it's it's wrong. I I actually agree that Riot should allow them to compete, just like I agree Valve should allow them to keep, compete. I'm saying if you did something wrong and you see that, doesn't it? validate that viewpoint to us put it this way if anyone looks over at what happened to brax or if anyone looks over at what happened to steel and thought match fixing's fair game they're brain dead because you know both of yeah. them have gone through massive emotional <laughs> they lost sure. way way more than they ever got guys i'm not arguing for it i'm just saying how it could be perceived by people who have done things that this is kind of a safe place okay right? but the, but and i know nuance isn't great uh in esports in general but the reality is that's like okay that's like saying a convicted a, you know a convicted robber can't go straight compared to the people who are literally robbing houses now 
just getting a fucking pass. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 so I, 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 as a result, like, listen, I, I've done a one eighty on this. I was in the, I, I was of the belief that Riot Games shouldn't do anything. It's developer overreach. That was my initial yes. position. Um, I don't like developers acting like lords of all of it. I don't like tech companies telling me if I say something bad on Twitter, I'm banned from Reddit, banned from Facebook. Like, where does it fucking end? You know, at the end of the day, your TOS is not like two fucking tablets handed no. down from Mount fucking Sinai. We all have to live by. It's your terms of service. It's something you have dictated is good for your business. But where the problem starts happening is, unfortunately, we're not... Right, a ban in Counter-Strike for these dirtbags is meaningless. It means absolutely nothing. And also, let's... Come on. They're already, there's people already doing it in Valorant, for fuck's sake. We all know. We've all seen it. So let's not fuck around and pretend that we know it isn't happening. We know match-fixing's going on. Like, no joke. So at the end of the day, like... If, if if Riot don't take a firm stand against these people, then you have set your entire eSport up to fail. And just to loop it in with what we were talking about earlier, the fact that there are certain eSports organizations, all of the big ones, that are like, they want to take on some of these players in some of these cases and flex their clout and flex their leverage and try and argue and say it doesn't matter what they did in another game. That's really concerning. I think it's quite telling to me that a number of top-tier pros, including ones at teams like TSM, have openly openly spoke out about how mean commentators are not one word about the match fixes his by the way used to be a good guy but he's gone the same way as a lot of them valorant fucking gassed him up and he's got an ego now he's got an ego he's got followers he's artificially prolonged his career for a couple of years so he thinks he's hot shit right he's he actually tweeted at the end of last year it's wrong of e sick to take time to do the investigation because as long as they're taking their time it's hearsay that the other players are banned so in other words he will actively defend match fixes but say casters are bad fuck this scene it doesn't deserve to succeed something that you brought up uh, that i think makes sense in the context of us talking about uh, organizations leveraging social pressure as well as something that 100 thieves threatened in this case is that if you're concerned about developer overreach if that was the initial point of view that you came from then do you would it be the logical conclusion then to say that it's the organization's responsibility to not pick up those players and that yes. social pressure should dictate the organizations not to pick up but those players? But it should be both. And this is this bridges into the point that I want to make is that there is an incoming Valorant apocalypse. Like that is that is basically guaranteed at this point, whatever this this investigation ceases. And then that's where the you know, four horsemen will be on. The instant that happens, I promise you, because oh, the, yeah. the conversation is going to happen then is like you're saying, Sideshow, whose responsibility is it to ban these people? And I, I'm looking forward to this, not because I have schadenfreude and like to see people, uh, you know, who careers ruined who are match fixing. I do. But the main reason that I'm looking forward to it is because it's going to give us insane insight into every single organization that operates a Valorant team in esports because they're going to be put on the line, right? And we're going to see, are they going to drop a player that is dead to rights in terms of match fixing in Counter-Strike or in another game? What are their values as an org. And so even if Riot does nothing, you could make the argument. I mean, this is, a, this is a very common argument in sports, right? Like the NFL has this happen all the time where players are, you know, basically guilty of things. And the question is whether it's the team that's gonna drop them and maybe this player gets picked up elsewhere 
uh, or they're going to keep them on. And so I think it's going to give us this wonderful sense of what each individual organization's morals are. Um, and I'm looking forward to that because I just can't wait to see who's going to come out clean and who's not. It's going to be very interesting. Let's uh, on this topic. Uh, though, mor morals from, I'm just going to say morals from organizations. That's a funny one. I mean, come on. I would rephrase that like this. It's which team wants to be marketed as they're the good guy. That's Whether fair. they have morals yeah. or not. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. 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 I'm certain some of them will want to flex into that. Yeah, of course. Here's what I would say on it, right? I basically, I'm not too far from the position Richard says he started. I hate developers getting involved with this stuff. Like the idea, like basically game developers in esports treat the esports game like it is an actual simulation that we're all going into and living a different life there. And they're the God emperor of the simulation who can just change and do anything and do what ban people punish people do whatever they like here's the mad thing about that is it's like what richard says about like social media sites and their tos you don't need to incredibly minutely police speech there are real fucking laws for that some would even say those laws are overreaches if you look in certain countries like the idea you need to do it no no just uphold the laws that exist mate beyond that don't worry about it. People talk on your platform. Yeah, that's what happens. If it's not legal, why are you getting involved? Oh, because you want to control their minds and the way that discourse goes and you want to impose your values on people. So the problem is every game dev, much like the example scaled up of Frost, who gets a tiny little bit of power, just abuses it in that scenario. So the problem I have is this, and I'm sure people in this call would understand why. I don't trust a single motherfucking investigation anyone from Riot ever did. I wouldn't trust them to investigate if their ass is between their legs and their fucking head i wouldn't i wouldn't trust them to come up with the right answer like these are people who have routinely conducted corrupt investigations sometimes probably my favorite because it was so low-key and not as big an issue was when they investigated whether or not the president of tsm having an actual romantic relationship with a player from a different team who then joined tsm was in any way a conflict of interest and they openly in the fucking ruling said that they hadn't investigated the personal relationship side of it what was the point of the investigation then? That was the whole thing. And so as a result, they essentially did a report where if you only read the headline in the first paragraph, you'll go up, well, they investigated it and they found them not guilty. And then it's like going, but he didn't actually investigate whether it was a murder or not just whether he is there. Like, like this is nonsense. So as a result, I'd rather live in a world where I don't know the ESIC guys, but I tell you what, I haven't heard any corruption from them yet. So I haven't got a reason to distrust them yet. Like I have from a million cases with Riot, my, where Riot's even done things like lied about having evidence. Monty knows about that. My, so as a result, I'd rather live in a world where ESIC could come through with their thing and maybe Riot can mirror it. Because I, I do have an issue with the idea that you you basically, it's like the Wild West. You go into one town, you hold up a bank, you go, fuck, better not go back there for a few years. I'll nip off to the other side of the country and they'll come back with a different hat on and a, and a really weird beard. Like, howdy there, folks. I'm a new fellow prospector coming in from the West. <laughs> Big time. Great to be here. It's a shame the wife died of consumption, but if you got any of that laudanum around, like, give me a break. Like, so as a result, like, yeah, I don't want people who've actively match fixed to just switch game and have no punishment. Skip like they're skipping another country. Even though it's a different case, I even think there's the the whole topic of what do you do with banned players like for example this this isn't just valorant problem by the way i remember hearing that story because i didn't know who he was at the time of baby bay in overwatch and someone mm -hmm. saying you know he's vac banned and i go what do you mean i looked it up he remember was banned that, yeah. in an actual yeah. on-stream game when his name was flex playing for a team called esp yeah. Yeah. he was banned on stream by vac itself now here's the thing i don't claim vac never as false positives, blah, blah, blah. But like, in that scenario, what did he do? He essentially realized, well, I can never be a CSGO pro. So he waited and then Overwatch came out and then he came and became a very good pro. And now he's, he's in Valorant himself. And it, by all accounts, it seems like a pretty cool guy. But the point is, 
if these things are really serious, like that is the equivalent of getting like kicked out of baseball and you can just go to another sport in that scenario. Like some, something does ring, some, again, it's a bad taste in my mouth, but that way. Yeah. I think in Baby Bay's case too, the context was also, he was like 14 years old or something, right? When that happened, he was super yeah, young. Very young. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also think that setting a precedent where we, kind of banned you know even if you're banned from one esport because of something like brax where he was still a minor i, I don't yeah, think but as richard be... said no one's saying you're banned forever my point is this if yeah. valorant had existed at the same time he would have been a pro tomorrow if he was good enough yeah that's, that's the, the problem yeah. yeah i would like the idea by the way i'm i'm actually someone if people don't know you maybe not from csgo i'm incredibly lenient with the bands like because i know unlike a lot of other people an esports career isn't 30 years long it's not like sports where you're the best in fucking year three and you're probably going to be amazing in year nine of your career like in esports in three months you could be like from first best player in the world to 20th two years from now you could be irrelevant not even on a team so in my opinion i actually personally thought for things like match fixing and cheating i think like two three year bands i think that's actually like a pretty hefty sentence if you can survive through that and you really try to go pro after that you probably really loved the game like steel you probably had some I mean, mad dedication to it that you weren't just there just to like scam everyone and rip everyone off you know i mean all you all you need to know about the disproportionate uh, scale of punishments over in csgo by waiver for instance is this you had players that fixed one meaningless game in a meaningless league it, in league it was sevo after all Right, they uh, uh, for about a thousand dollars worth of skins each, give or take, uh, or a certain, or, or not either of those if you skadoodle. If they don't take them, yeah, yeah. Um, and those guys are doing a lifetime ban. Meanwhile, an organization that serially bullied, manipulated, and stole from players still has stickers in the game to this day, and will still make a cut on that and can still enter a team into a major tomorrow. So don't tell me there's not like a disproportionate thing that's going on here. Um, and, and this is why it's like, uh, uh, you know, there has to be an actual serious investigative body. It's why I've supported ESIC. Now, my fear is in this case, when ESIC said, oh, and now we'll tackle all of the North American match fixing. I'm, are you fucking mad? Do you know how much there is? You know how, by my estimation, I'd say about It'll never ends, right? <laughs> But by my, you, you by, by my thread, estimation alone, 20%, I'd say, based on what I've seen of ESEA games, are, are, are compromised in some way. So, you know, how, how are you ever getting to the root of that? And developers don't want to cooperate. Gambling companies don't even want to cooperate in some instances, especially the Bitcoin ones, which is what all the cool kids are using. We've got a real problem, and, and, and so that's what turned me around. And thinking Riot do need to take a stand. But equally, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if the orgs could just walk in lockstep and we could be against people who fix matches? It doesn't have to be permanent. But, it doesn't but have to be whole, permanent. That's the whole thing about esports, right? Is because we don't have uh, an independent body besides ESIC that we can go to. And then e even then, ESIC is obviously not funded by a bunch of developers, right? It doesn't have the the kind of official stamp nor funding that it needs in order to take on investigations of the scale in a fast manner, because I mean, obviously this is taking forever um, because they keep uncovering more, right? Yeah. So I, I think I think the issue here is that at the end of the day, we can't rely on the developers to do it because it's not in necessarily their best interests to get rid of a bunch of 
potentially very popular Valorant pros right now. And uh, by the way, I was incorrect. I looked it up. Baby Bay was uh, a legal adult when the cheating thing happened. But I still don't believe that people should be banned forever uh, for one. No, I'm going to say here's, here's something that needs to be said, right? Here's why this whole conversation is missing a key piece of context. Because we're debating it like it never happened before. Like, But what if the orgs were to get together and sort of agree, like, we don't agree with that and we won't allow you to be in the scene? This is, we're talking about proven match fixes, by the way. People were like, the case has just been, it's just a case of nailing them all and then putting the evidence out there, right? These are the same orgs that if there is even the hint of sexual discretion will potentially fire a player from his job, terminate his contract, essentially, for disparaging the good name of the org. That'll be the fucking clause that's in there, like all of them. He'll be done. Some of them will never work in the industry again, and that's before any criminal case has ever taken place. There might never be a criminal case. There might only be accusations made against them. I'll, I'll do you, I'll, because, they don't, because they don't like the stench of it, they'll just fire you completely. So the idea I'll they do can't you do one for proven match fixes, they can. I'll, I'll do you one better there, Duncan. A, a much, I, I think, stronger example, and it's pertains to Valorant is what happened with the Luna Cat stuff recently. So yep. uh for those who you know uh, maybe don't follow the women's game, uh TSM announced a very strong uh women's team, Luna Cats being one of the better players on the roster. Within two days they cut her. Uh and it was apparently so it was it was told to me behind the scenes. Oh they found some old video of her on Snapchat and she was being racist and all that. So I started looking into it. She hasn't been racist. She was just rude, very rude, but still rude to a fast food worker. That was that was two years ago. That By the was way, since everyone loves to just change the goalposts on what year we decide everyone cuts off either everyone's cancelled before this year or after this year and they just do it whether they like the person or not by the way right two years you're gonna go oh but like what are that like what, what relevance is that to the person's career they weren't a pro in that scenario they weren't at the top of esports because here's what's rich go on my timeline i'll retweet it right after this show so you can see it right i found this years ago and i put it out last year right if if tsm want to play that game of, I've got some dirt on you. Go look on my Twitter. There's a video of Reginald, the fucking owner of TSM, yeah. saying yeah. way worse than that yeah. on video about other competitors in a Riot game, and Riot did nothing. Yeah, but do you want to, do you want to know the best part of this? Or, or the worst, I, I suppose. It. So, um, the, the, basically, this was done essentially because, first of all, there was one person that downloaded the video. It was, it was up for less than, like, it was like 40 minutes. It was on a Snapchat. Somebody already had record, screen recorded it and kept it and was saving it for a rainy day. By the way, if you're an aspiring pro, yeah, people are like that. So don't say nothing. Live like you're a public figure now, unfortunately. We all have to. It's just how it is. Um, and then she was essentially told that by virtue of disrespecting um, fast food workers, it might hurt TSM getting a fast food sponsorship, etc. That was enough to get her cut from a team. I mean, I agree with you guys based on these examples. Like, it it does make sense that the or should be able to get it together themselves if there is evidence of match fixing in another game to drop those players, right? But also, yeah. oh, I forgot one detail. The, the other detail is this. I forgot this key context. Here's the key context. Which, by the way, if you want him to fucking talk, money, just invite him in. Like, don't keep doing that where you talk, and then if he talks, I have to not talk. Fuck off, mate. I'm on this show as well. So, if you want to be the host? Take it on board. Right now, here's what I'm gonna say. Here's the other context I forgot to add in. That girl did it in a Snapchat, not as a pro, ages ago, and someone saved it. Right? Reginald was saying this on a video he posted onto the TSM YouTube channel, and last year it was still up. Guess what? It isn't up after I tweeted it out. But 
don't worry, mirrors exist. Although I know Reginald doesn't know that. Or would rather that wasn't the case. Josh. The, um, keep going. <laughs> Go on, the, then, God uh, forbid any of us talk. The the social pressure of um, uh, the companies, like you said, don't have morals. They're not, they're not driven by that. They're, they're not they're not getting rid of Luna Cats because they have morals. They're getting rid of Luna Cats. They're getting rid of Sinatra, for example. Even in that most extreme example, because the public pressure is large to, to do such things. So yeah. I think that's the root of the problem as well. I think it's kind of pointless to think of the, the orgs as being driven by nothing other than anything other than the social pressure of their fans. And if their fans find a way to be able to um, explain away match fixing or cheating, which does happen often within the scene. It's not as vilified as these other things. Uh, people have more extreme reactions to people who are rude or offensive than people who cheat or match fix because they see the potential for redemption and they're willing to just rationalize that kind of behavior away. But th that I think is the, is the key to it, is that people don't have an immediate um, kind of disgusted reaction to knowing that someone cheated in the past. People just don't care enough. Like people don't care if they didn't cheat if they cheated in a previous game. People don't care. That's why organizations still pick up people like I mean, Baby Bay is a great example. No one cared when he cheated in CS when he was brought into Overwatch. As long as you don't cheat in Overwatch, uh, fuck it. I mean, you're fine in Overwatch. That is by far and away like ninety percent of the public sentiment when someone like that plays in Overwatch. And I think a similar situation happens in Valorant as well. Less so if it's a direct comparison to CS:GO. But when when it's like you did something in the past, even like match fixing, if these guys didn't even if they didn't do the time, but they did it years ago. People are going to be, people are going to be fine with it. I think people are going to mm -hmm. explain it away because they don't have the same, uh, they don't have the same human reaction, like a, a visceral reaction to the the to cheating happening within the sport. There's but this ties into what you were talking about earlier, and, Josh. Well, and match fixing, which is a potential crime, right? That's yeah. that's the difference. Like, I don't want to say like. You know the cheating. The cheating and being vac banned is one thing. Literally throwing matches to fix results for gambling purposes is entirely different. Yeah, I but mean, even no, no one's ever been punished for this. But I suspect in the future, cheating will one day be considered a crime. Like essentially, you're defrauding the other team of a chance to win. Some the game countries using it already moves. is. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's Asia, just not a real thing yet. You know, there's some Asian and Southeast Asian countries that actually will prosecute you for cheating. Um, but, you know, uh, this ties into what you were talking about, Josh. And again, we get back to the clout issue. And, you know, there was a player I saw the other day. He's been removed from an organization. No one knows why, right? No one knows why. And yet the replies are like 200, 300 replies of, oh, you're going to be good. You're going to bounce back. You don't, know what, you don't know what this guy has done. And, you know, you people are like just straight in. And, you know, you're dealing with a young industry. You're dealing with a dumb industry. You're dealing with the fact that none of these orgs want to like even acknowledge when they cut people. Like we're still trying to get to the bottom of why Dignitas dropped them players. And you know why? We all know why. We've all heard it. So, you know, and, and yet people are like, oh, bloody hell, those players are just so talented. Ultimately, there's a, there's a new wave of esports fans that will forgive you for any sin. That, and, and, and and they'll forgive you even for sins committed against them because they are fucking stupid. And so what you're left with is, do you want to be the person who like stands up for people who will spit in your face when you're trying to defend them? Because a player who fixes a match don't care about you as a fan. 
but because you like watching their stream or because you've implanted yourself onto them, which is very often what it is. Ha! You're young like me. You play a game I do. I can be like you. Spoiler, you can't. You're shit. You're going nowhere. Go get a job at Walmart to get things off shelves for people like me with a brain, right? <laughs> get used to that, right? <laughs> but because you fucking, you know project yourself onto them and you you'll defend them doing anything even when you're the victim of what they do and that's a real problem in esports unfortunately waking kids up to that fact that the match fixes and the fucking streamers and all these people will manipulate you for money they don't care about you but you are their first line of defense when they do something heinous i don't know how you unprogram that do you, Josh, do you find that this is different in Valorant? Because one thing that that I've noticed about Valorant is that the influencer angle is absolutely huge in that game. You know, in fact, when Shroud streams, he's on top of the regular stream for co-streaming, right? And uh, co-streams can take up as much as 70% of like a professional match. So the the official broadcast is often in the minority. Do you do you feel that Valorant's a game that has like really put more stock in in these independent influencers or team in, teams as influencers in other games? Uh, in terms of how it directs the community narrative around people, I don't think that it makes an enormous amount of difference because the same kind of narratives always seem to crop up as they do in other games. Like if someone has has a, a history of cheating and uh, or has cheated in a prior game and one of the current pros thinks that they're currently cheating, everyone assumes they're cheating because the community loves to just assume that people are cheating. Uh, and then if someone, if someone gets removed from a team and it, it comes out that they're like, uh, with the artist example, for example, uh, they're not actually removed from the team, but they there were there was some evidence to suggest that they were involved in match fixing in the past. People are just willing to kind of brush it under the rug. It's the set, but it's not influenced, in my opinion, by like influencer opinions, or at least I can't I can't draw that narrative from like a really popular player says this, therefore it's true. I mean, the the most recent example, actually, getting back to Frost is the of Dicey. Dicey's not an enormous influencer by any means, but he's recently become a very popular streamer having been released from 100 Thieves after they won first strike, so the, the first major mm. tournament in the game. And he was unable to acquire co-streaming rights for Masters. Um, and that was the first instance I saw of people really blowing up in the Valorant scene, trying to not directed by Dicey, as far as I can tell. He didn't tell people to go and do this. I don't know even whether, whether he like subtly did it by being like, oh, you know, it'd be such a shame if you guys went and just uh, told Riot. I don't think he did even have any of that. I think people just really want, enjoyed his co-streams. He didn't get a co-stream for the Masters uh, events and final itself. And so people went to Reddit and made a, a shit song about it and tried to get that changed. But even in that instance where Frost was in all of the Reddit comments, uh, yeah. like saying that uh, Riot was fucking up by not allowing a former champion to, to go and co-stream stuff. It, even in that instance, it, did, it didn't seem like anything too unusual for this esport. Like I, I've interacted with a lot of different esports. They all, in all of them, if a pro says something, people are going to repeat that verbatim as fact. So I don't think it, it doesn't seem to be any worse over in Valorant as far as I can tell. So at the end of the day, one of the other things that I wanted to discuss is I appreciate at least the, that Riot, this is kind of one of their first major uh, 
rulings, competitive rulings. And as I said previously, I think it was very mild personally, especially after the release of that video. I'm I would have supported Riot if they had come down and and clap clap back even harder. Right. And so um, considering that. I feel like they've learned a lot from operating in League of Legends over the last 10 years, and the precedent that was set in LoL was kind of all over the place. This seems like we're starting at a very low level, right? And, you know, we're still waiting on what happens with Sinatra. Uh, You know, people might be wondering why we haven't done a show about the whole Sinatra thing. Well, we don't have the competitive ruling yet. And until that comes out, it's very hard to discuss uh, what was happening with any kind of like finality or context. But I mean, I assume we'll we'll be doing that show whenever that gets resolved. Um, and that's going to say a lot probably uh, about about Riot and, and where the kind of um, punishment and and uh, <laughs> let's see, investigative thoroughness of the scene is heading, right? Um, but where did you guys feel that this ranked in terms of of punishment? Because it seems very, I mean, five thousand dollars nothing to hundred thieves, right? It's one thing I just want to quickly say is like I don't want there to be any kind of a perception that Riot has improved with their investigations and they become more reasonable and they have a standard mm. and a set of precedents that they follow. They don't. Every single case I have seen seems to be capriciously judged based on whether they like the org or whether they don't. So an example from last year would be that the Astralis organization, where the Astralis group owned Astralis the CSGO team and Origin the League of Legends team, now re branded to Astralis, last year literally were punished by Riot for something mad like withholding pay from players that they owed the players. I believe that was the case, right? And what they did was, even though if a player does something like poach a player or say something disrespectful or have all solo queue games where they've been naughty with what they type into the chat, like, go and do not be alive anymore. Those are the worst crimes in the world. You'll get called out by name, your fucking given name on your birth certificate on a thing on the internet that'll be competitive ruling on front page of Google whenever anyone searches for the rest of your life as though you were like a fucking felon. It was like wanted dead or alive, this murderer, the dangerous James, whatever. Like, meanwhile, when Astralis didn't pay, by the way, one of the most corrupt things you could do in this industry and something you want to drive out immediately, they went out of their way to not name the individual, which not only allowed him to skate by, I was told it was Casper Fid of Astralis, but even worse, because they didn't name him, fans didn't even know in League of Legends that is who it could be because they don't know anything about the CSGO side and they assumed it was Deficio, much-loved commentator and scene figure, and Riot never helped clear his name. So this is the sort of thing that these people do. Like, if they like you, they do one ruling. If they don't, they do another. Then it's just a negotiation between the two and whether you're actually... Nobody can a fucking... talk to that more than Monty. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it, look, I mean, this this is a problem as well. I mean, like, just in general, like, I, I, I'm on the side of Riot in, in this stance. I think you have to be absolutely firm with orgs that are trying to leverage huge followings while also acknowledging there is a need for them to be in your eSport if you want to grow it, but you can't give them too much. And I, 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 I think 100 Thieves, and I think they know this, I think they're rapidly entering that elite territory where they get to do what they want, like a TSM, like a Cloud9, um, like a Team Liquid. Uh, they'll, they'll be allowed to do whatever they want because, you know, and, 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 I, and I, I almost think this was more a shot across the bows. This was about saying, like, we will punish you, but but equally, we're willing to get in the trenches and mix it up, and we know that's exactly where we'll be. It's almost like, can we can we do this 
a, a different way in future. Because as I said, I wouldn't tolerate an organization essentially bullying and threatening my admins. Well, well what I, what's so crazy to me is that the initial ruling was for threatening to do it. And then they really did it. They really did it after yeah. that conversation had occurred. And then they didn't actually adjust the ruling whatsoever after that point in time. That's what's crazy to me is that they didn't just come down even harder. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, when, when you put yourself in that position, I mean, this is another issue, right? Like, you know, those guys, like a hundred thieves, you understand when they go into that, they're a hundred percent confident they're going to win. Nobody goes into a public war with anyone thinking they're going to lose, you know, but like, let's, let's look at the evidence. Like how, how do you even have that level of fucking like deniable, like, you already know he's admitted to it behind closed doors. This is what I mean about, like, I know the book, like, Nadeshot hates this. The book has to stop with him, but unfortunately, I think he's almost like a, a slacker, you know, team owner because he's had it so easy up until this point because, you know, there there are certain groups of esports fans that will click on any old shit. You know, that's why Gowles is one of the most popular fucking streamers on Twitch. You know, his audience will just watch any nonsense. He, he has no charisma, no talent, but here it is in Portuguese, so click on it. And 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 hundred thieves and a lot of these Call of Duty orgs are like that. You know, we don't actually do anything good, but we can mind fuck you into believing in our petty, pathetic, tribalist bullshit. And the rest will all click into place, right? It'll all click. And it's not gonna be like that in esports. Not if, not if we actually are able to sort of keep you know, competitive integrity, ethics, these kind of things. We might not be able to because Americans don't value them, but we'll try. Um, and, and if we can, Orgs like 100 Thieves are going to have a hard time. Your Twitter following don't mean shit on the server, and it don't mean shit when you're talking privately to an admin, or at least it shouldn't. And I, and I hope the next Org that pulls this, and there will be another, um, I hope Riot Games absolutely hammer them. It's the only way these guys are going to learn. But I fully support Riot Games 100%. And, you know, I say that once a year, maybe, <laughs> on one topic. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I, think, I think their response was, was more than reasonable in my eyes in this, in this particular instance. Um, and it, it, is, it is, at the end of the day, with the competitive integrity concern, if you start showing preference in any way at all, the entire system gets called into question. So you absolutely cannot have that. Otherwise, your foundation of your entire eSport crumbles. So... I'm, I, I think the messaging that they had was was also good. And like I said, I, I'm glad they amended that statement um, to kind of counteract what, what 100 Thieves was saying. I mean, if they had access to those cameras, I'm kind of surprised they didn't just release the whole conversation themselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, then they're obviously... Well, first of all, if you release a one-hour recording, no, one, no 100 Thieves fan's going to watch it. Who's got the attention span for that? There's not enough Adderall in North America to fucking get an 100 Thieves fan to watch one hour of Frost arguing with an admin. And trust me, if there was enough Adderall, Nate shot nowhere to get it. Oh so, I, hey, Call of Duty, we all... Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Duncan. Uh, so, <laughs> nah, fuck them. Fuck them all. It's a joke. It's a joke scene run by kids now. I don't care. I'm trying to think. I had one more point there. I was going to say, fuck, what was it? It was just before that. What was it about? Precedent of the ruling. Teams throwing cloud around. Ah, never mind. Maybe it'll come back in a sec. How is this received, Josh, by the by the Valorant community? 
was it seen as reasonable or were people still after everything after the dust was settled siding with 100 thieves on this one it it does seem i mean i haven't been keeping track i mean it's been actively developing throughout the day as well because they put out the edit at like 6 30 p.m last night but uh <laughs> it, it does seem like they it does seem like people have been responding to it in favor of uh 100 thieves this, this does seem to be the example where the the influencer aspect has has worked heavily in their favor because there's a lot of people who are out there on the the, the fans in twitter and on reddit who are saying who are drilling down to the ignoring all of the blowing things out of proportion and how you acted and just keep returning to the core aspect of yeah but why is your ruling inconsistent yeah but what but why why did you why did you make one decision one day and one decision the other day which Sure, that's something that maybe is worth talking to them afterwards sure. in a reasonable way about and trying to make sure that there is some consistent idea so that you can predict uh, uh, the server that you're going to be playing on in the future. That There is the small core of this topic that probably deserves like a little bit of looking at again from Riot and maybe thinking, oh, well, should we have it? Like they play on one server and then they play on the other server for another map or whatever whatever system they devise. But that isn't what this became. That That's not the reason that people are are getting fined is because they disagreed in a civil manner with a ruling made by riot that's not i didn't i didn't see the video where frost was like excuse me sir i i would like to calmly protest your point and if yeah. we cannot resolve this in five minutes then uh we surely will do farewell do you know i made fucking stats helix you psych i made stats helix yeah yeah you know what fucking stats helix is you fucking psych don't talk to me don't talk to me don't fucking talk to me yeah coach of the year right there fucking oh, absolute I remember, imbeciles i remember the point i was going to say this is the other thing like i said i personally i'm not a fan of that video existing at all like that, that yeah. basically that didn't need to exist at all that's just 100 thieves trying to like basically like muddy the waters of this whole discussion so one of the reasons why i wouldn't want a one hour video to come out like that is who the fuck knows what those players say those players didn't think they were on camera that wasn't a tv show they're essentially yeah. in the locker room before their fucking game. That is the sports equivalent. Now, in that scenario, there should be like a level of trust that should never be breached there, in my opinion. The things you say and what you... You should be able to say whatever you need to to your teammates in that scenario, not thinking later, oh, is the game developer just going to see all this? Like, uh, that, that I wasn't even aware I was saying. Like, there's a, there's a million ways that could go wrong. People could get cancelled from things they don't realise it's bad that might be in there. It's, there's a million angles as to why I'm not a fan of like a one-hour video or something coming out. So that's why, to me... The, the people who controlled that coming out was 100 Thieves because they wanted to skew the way you think about the story. That's the, At least that's the yeah, obvious totally. outside speculation. Again, we can't know, can we? Totally. Well, do we have any other closing remarks here? Have we gotten down to the core of this Fuck issue? <laughs> there, there you go. There's one. Um, uh, it's one. I, I think that this is setting up you know what is eventually going to going to happen with the the match fixing issue and the Sinatra issue because these are this is the start of what's probably going to be multiple rulings um in Valorant and uh you know basically what's what's happened in in Valorant to give an analogy is that there were a bunch of people 
back east, right? Some of them may have been criminals. Some of them may have been running away from mistakes that they made from their previous life. The year is 1849. They see a gold rush in San Francisco, and they're all getting the hell out of there to remake their lives and hopefully strike gold. In there somewhere are some good people. But you know what? Yeah. Not a lot of good people are going to leave You know, their homes, their families, their friends, everything behind. You're probably running from something to a certain degree, right, to make that decision. And uh, now, eventually, what's going to happen is the sheriff is going to show up in the West at some point in in the future. And all we have to do is wait and see what that sheriff does, who gets thrown in jail, who gets strung up, as law and order will eventually descend on the valorant town of Deadwood. Right. So this is <laughs> this is the this is going to be the start of something, and that's why. It's important to look at the characters involved of the people who have come over from from CSGO and other places into Valorant, and then also uh, where the precedent is being set in terms of these rulings and how teams are fighting against them. Because I, I just have a feeling that this is just going to be the first paragraph in a, in a very long story. I like the analogy, Monty, but the problem is, from knowing Riot Games, the sheriff in this particular case is fucking little Bill Daggett, played by Gene Hackman from Unforgiven, so shout a lock there, Monty. <laughs> what you need is some grizzled old bastard who's willing to go down shooting one last time. Just, you know, take care of all the bastards. Yeah, exactly, you know. Yeah. Just saying, is that you? Just saying. No, it, it, it's yeah, his, they just the thing. them all. Go on, go on. Richard. Yeah, no, sorry. I was just gonna say, um, you know, I like I have to really steal myself because, um, you know, on the one hand, right, I I should just ignore Valorant. It's it's a cartoon FPS that uh, honestly. It doesn't have the depth of Counter Strike or Overwatch, but it will be popular despite those two things being true. Um, and, and because North America just love things being easy, Americans in general, especially in esports, they'll put all their money into it until the next supposed gold rush comes along. You know, remember how it was Fortnite? How's that all working out for you? Oh, yeah, you're dropping your Fortnite teams. Um, but the, 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 the problem I've got is, you know, I was doing this in League of Legends, right? And here's what you have to go through, and Josh, this is especially for you, mate. You know, what you go through when you want to clean up a scene is you go in as a journalist, you're writing and it's 14 year old kids and they don't even know what journalism is. They've never read a paper, you know, like, they don't even know what a newspaper is, how it functions. They know nothing except they heard some vague thing about a journalist supposed to not be biased. As in like, you're never supposed to give an opinion ever and everything you do is journalism. And so what you have to do is you spend the first two years not even really tackling the issues because those morons, those moron kids, I mean, the worst kind of kids, there are smart kids out there. None of them have gravitated towards esports. They're all thick as shit. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, what you have to do is you spend two years bashing your head against that wall, basically trying to explain the very basic building blocks of what journalism is. Then by the time they're 16, they go in one or two ways. Well, three ways, actually. They either get out of esports because they discover girls, drugs, and crime. 
<laughs> or they discover academia or they kind of a weird bit of a nerd and a misfit and they stick around and then maybe you've got someone to work with and then by the time they're 18 suddenly they're starting to get the building blocks of what journalism is and why you're trying to do what you're trying to do and why these things matter and why integrity matters why conflicts of interest matter and 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 you're the lone voice in the wilderness explaining this now i saw a huge difference between when i first started writing about league of legends in 2013 when everyone went who are you like what's a roster change these never happen in real spots no one reports roster moves before they happen before the org announces them you know all of this nonsense like why would you know i've got sources who are your sources show me your sources i can't i'm 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 I'm, I'm ethically bound not to show you them. Why? You're a liar, aren't you? you? You're not right. You're lucky 50 times in a row. You're lucky. So you go through that, and then those people, like, say, you, you either whittle them out, and, you know, some of them are morons that grow up, and I get messages from those people, and they say, wow, I used to call you a cunt. I'm really sorry. I was stupid, you know. Generally, you whittle them out. And then four years into an eSport, everyone understands what journalism is, and, and that's that. Now, I've done that. And Duncan's done that, you know, what, six, seven times now. So to do it again. It's so tedious, isn't it? I know I'm thinking of doing <laughs> to it To go through again. it again, to go through the moments. I've already seen him because Nade Shot kindly and Frost kindly sent them my way. Just utter morons. Someone even said to me today, like today, I'd hate to be your barista. Don't aim so high, son. Don't aim so high. Hot liquids. <laughs> And you, being a 100 Thieves fan, it's not going to work. Start at the beginning. Right, let's start with basic physics, eh? So, you know, you deal with all of that, and it's like, the only reason I'm going to put myself through that again is 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 to to make sure these people are held accountable. If these if, if these people weren't getting away with cardinal sins from other esports, I wouldn't bother, because there's nothing in the game for me, you know? But... Gonna have to do it, aren't I? To make sure everyone's held accountable and it'll be the passion of the rich for two years. <laughs> again. again, being flogged in public, being told I'm a liar, I'm a hack, I'm a fraud, I'm doing it for the money, all the while turning down huge sponsorship deals and literal bribes from orgs you love. Uh-huh. Just whipped and flogged in the street. The worst and one I in the modern day. get resurrected three Dude, days later. You know this. Way. The worst one in the modern day isn't even the morons just doing that way. Like they're trying to argue with the job. It's the ones where their whole angle is just like, you're mentally ill. You're mentally ill. All you're doing is mental illness. Like, why are you breaking down? Why are you lying about it? Why are you mentally ill? It's like, is this just like some mad psyop where I'm actually like in a, in a camp somewhere now, like the tell down, trying to get me to kill myself? What is this? No, but I, but I'll add, first of all, like, I mean, very often the people who are doing this are mentally ill because they're fans and by definition are, are, are ill. So I can't criticize them of calling someone else mentally ill because I do it every day. But but also, I'll just say, at the end of the day, we're, we're at this divergent point where Valorant can make a choice. Do you want me, Thorin, Monty? I won't include you in this, Josh, I'll spare you. Do, do you want us to be the journalists for your scene? Or do you want it to be a number of Jake Luckies? You know, make a decision. <laughs> make, make a decision now. Jake Lucky, a man who literally takes uh, gifts from orgs to say nice things about them, says things like, I think FaZe Banks might be misunderstood in public. <laughs> that's right? A, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, you know, do you, want, do, do, you, do you want him to be your fucking moral compass and conscience? Or do you want people who fight the hard battles? Totally up to you. Your scene will develop based on that decision. It's up to you, 14-year-olds. Go forth. Make the call. Either way, I'll be there. I'll get mine. I'll do what the fuck I want. 
You guys can come at me all day. You'll never stop me. There you go. That's my final thought. <laughs> Declaration final of war on 14 year olds. Basically, I can sum up this episode like this. The shit storm will be worse for you guys. Yeah, it's it's coming. Like this is this is the gateway. This is the gateway Valorant show because you know a lot of people have been watching the all the the kind of funnel of pros and everyone has been going straight into Valorant with some level of alarm. Um, and the Piper's going to have to get paid at some point in time. And I'm not sure if it's all going to come at once. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to come in in drips and drabs, depending on how the ESIC investigation goes. Uh, but it's coming. It, it's inevitable. Uh, if you're Riot, you're probably hoping it coming. It, it starts coming well in advance of any kind of franchising or LAN competition, because right now it's fine, you know. But we're coming up real soon here in May on that Iceland uh, tournament, which is going to be the first global Valorant LAN. And once you start putting people on camera, you become a lot more responsible for them, I would say. Like, there's there's a degree of holding people at arm's length when you're running online tournaments. Uh, it's, it's a lot harder to do when you're paying for their travel to show up and you're presenting them as a, as a face on site of a tournament. So, that's it. That's this episode of Four Horsemen. Thank you, Sideshow. I want to apologize in advance to Josh. <laughs> uh, this was a rough episode to come in on because me and Duncan were really hot to fucking trot on this one, mate. But I do want to say that for the most part, I like your work. And yeah, I love you. You know, no, I'm really glad we got to do it. I hope we get to do it again in, in less charged uh, environments, hopefully. With the future of the Valorant scene. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with the future being, uh, you know, possible match fixing and the Sinatra ruling at a minimum, at a minimum, yeah. right? That's that's the minimum amount that can happen. It does seem like it's, it's going to continue to be somewhat charged heading into the future. Uh, hopefully, as, as I said last time, uh, we won't have to do this again. You can always watch Sideshow's content. Absolutely. On his Twitch channel. He does a lot of Valorant co-streams where he talks about strategy, has the Plat Chat Valorant show. Any other Valorant stuff that you're doing right now? No, no, no. It's all content within those two. Yeah. So you can go ahead and check him out there. Uh, and we'll hopefully never be back, but also we have cited two uh, occasions where we will definitely be back. But beyond Phantom those Lord's occasions... trial looms. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's going to be a spicy one because I knew him personally back in the early Twitch days. Is, uh, Twitch have just had their uh, request for continuance uh, denied today. So it is going ahead to trial. So. Dear God! It, in less than two weeks, it's happening. Do you jury, know if we're going to be able to watch? Do you, do you know if we're going to be able to watch? Uh, I don't think. It, I, I think it's a jury trial. It's not going to be live, but uh, you will be able to get uh, court minutes at the end of every day. It should yes. be uploaded to yes. Unicode. So, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that will that will certainly be an interesting one. Although less less focused on esports, but I guess with the Counter Strike gambling, it was. It's kind of tertiary or like secondary to esports. Yeah, but there's a, there's a bunch of good stuff for that. All right. Well, thank you guys. Uh, hopefully, we won't be back next week. That would be nice. Uh, until then, go ahead, follow the channel. We'll be back at, at some point in time. Otherwise, SI is on this channel as well, and we're going to continue to roll out content for you. So thank you for joining us for this episode.